Hello there, Comic Clan, and welcome to Comics of the Cross, the greatest streamers you have never heard of. I, of course, am one of your hosts, as always, Cross, sitting with my partner in crime, the other half of the dynamic duo of Twitch, Nitro. What's up, good people? And we are joined by a very, very special guest today. Actually, a member of our own Comic Clan, yes. technically, at this point. Mr. Tom now. Levine award-winning author and comic book writer is joining us today to talk about his latest comic Beckett's last mixtape and Tom thank you so much for coming and joining us today thank you for being here we greatly appreciate it man Means a lot. oh yes thanks for having me this is really awesome I'm, I'm looking forward to what we're talking about today it's gonna be so cool yeah like, it's gonna be awesome this is a, a phenomenal comic that just um hit kickstarter actually just wrapped up in kickstarter not too long ago and fully funded beyond fully funded so congratulations to that the comics officially like properly happening now you got all the funding for it and yeah. um, so but there is still a buy link up on the kickstarter we have that and um, if you see the links in our description we've got a link there for mixtape which is a link to that kickstarter page where if you missed out on getting on the ground floor and helping fund it you can still pick it up and of course why wouldn't you and hopefully today's talk will help encourage you that this is well worth checking out so, but yeah, Tom, thank you so much for coming in. This is this is a unique one for us today. Like this, this is, really cool. this is like I said, this is an actual member of the comic clan coming and hanging out and having an interview today with us. This is a definite first for us. Is uh, it really? Oh, yeah, 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 like I, yeah, like I mean, like we're these little guys that do this little podcast and like. <laughs> You know I mean, what I mean? We're, not, we're both not little. I mean, no, def def definitely not little. Definitely rocking a dad bod over here. Definitely, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but one hundred percent. Like I, I mean, like I've literally flicked our way into half of our interviews by just like hoping for the best and taking a shot and hope or no. And it was amazing, like the fact of like we were just just talking before we came on stream there, like. Like Tom, you actually showed up during one of our other interviews when we had um, Dave Peppos, you know, yeah. um, who we've talked to on here before about Spencer and Locke, about the OZ, who's you know big highfalutin Marvel writer now with Savage Avengers. Go check it at your local comic store. Shout out for Dave because he deserves yeah. it. Um, and you showed up in chat, and I remember yeah. talking to Nitro afterwards and going, "It's like Tom Levine. Like I recognize that name. That name yeah. sounds like sounds familiar. familiar. Like." It looked you up and like you're this like award-winning author, novelist that decided to show up and also writer in comics as well. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean that's why I I, uh, I don't remember exactly where I saw that he was going to be on uh, and how he how he got there, but that was that's that's one of the things like I uh, I just wanted yeah I was just, I was just there to learn like everybody else I wanted to 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 ask questions and if nobody else was going to I was like. Well, all right. Um, how do you? you yeah. Know, yeah. 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 Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Stop. I mean, he's forgotten more about storytelling and comics than I'll ever know. So, um, and I did. I learned a lot about. I've, I've touched base with him. You know, very briefly. We're not friends or anything, but we've touched base a couple of times on Twitter. Um, I really, really appreciate how well. Uh, and I don't remember if it was on. I think it was. I think it was with you guys. Um, but how well he has learned to pitch comics. Mm, like the whole, yeah. you know, they it's it's after the apocalypse, and their bible is the Boy Scout Handbook. I'm like, yeah, I'm That's gonna read that. I'm in. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just amazing. So I was, I'm so glad I uh, encountered. That's the first time I, I I'd encountered him before, and I was I took a ton of notes. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I, I don't blame you. We did before, and hey, there's still the Centurion in chat. Dropping that first. Good to see you, sir. 
but yeah like as and you and that's the thing as well like most people that came in and hung out for something like that would have been like that's it you yeah. know so that they come and hang out they heard the guy but you've literally just continued to show up i mean you've popped up in streams but it's not even been the podcast you've showed up on like my batman gaming streams you've showed up in nitro's um art streams like you just pop in every now yeah. and again and it's like well, you guys are doing stuff that, that i don't know much about so uh, it's like it's such a good place to learn and it's not like it's not like you're sitting in like a uh, a con situation where you've got you know maybe dozens or even hundreds of people in the room mm -hmm. you know um and then i can get in there and like oh i can ask questions like what are you doing what does this yeah. mean wow how'd you do that you know yeah um, and i i wish you know more if, if for the the creators who are tuning in who, who are still working on that stuff i wish would um would realize that like there's there's so much great content and so many wonderful minds that you can mine like your guys and dave and like so many people and, and it's a perfect place to ask those questions you know so i'm yeah i'm all about that love well, even in our community like we have we have a couple um comic creators or aspiring comic creators and mm -hmm. like the some of the people that we've had on like just the types of questions that they've been asked and stuff like that it's just been a really cool forum to be able to discuss that like a long form you know yeah absolutely and and that's it opens yeah. up a whole new thing and that's that's kind of one of the reasons that we, you know, came on to Twitch was one of the great things about it is like, because we could, we could just do a podcast, there's a billion like comic book podcasts out there, you know, none of them are as good yeah. as us, but you know, it's, of course. you know, you know, um, but course. like, but there's something about Twitch and just having that interactivity where people can come in the chat and they can talk and they can discuss and you can interact, like, like, I like that connection with the people where you're talking to them and like, they're part of the conversation, like even was it like, last week or a couple of weeks ago we done like our the batman review mm -hmm. and like i don't just want to talk about batman i want to hear well, what did you guys think of batman yeah yeah i don't and i don't want to wait for you to hit us on social media or like put comments on the youtube video let's talk about it now like getting the conversation live and it just yeah. adds why a is, whole it, element to it well you know it's that's the thing we got uh Con season for me is starting to pick up again finally after two years. Yeah. yeah. My big one is here in town at Phoenix Fan Fusion, which I've been doing for probably over ten years now. Oh wow, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a it's an awesome, awesome con and they they really um, have a reputation for treating their, their guests and their um, their fans and everybody just really, really well. That's awesome. And um, yeah, it's it's a really it's just a great vibe and my, my wife and I were, were talking about it over the last several months of like uh, when COVID happened, like for all of the terrible thing, like obviously it was a terrible, terrible time for everybody in the world. But like yeah. one of the things that we talked about was like we didn't, we can't do con, like that's our that's our thing. Like we see our people; those are our people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that the the first year because we missed two, uh, they they had to cancel it, and the first year was like wow that really sucks. Then by year two, it's like okay seriously, like where mm -hmm. can we? You start getting a little twitchy. On you know? it's like, where we see everybody, you know. Uh, I remember the one. I think it was probably my first or second year there, and it's it's held this huge convention center in downtown Phoenix, and for some reason, some idiot decided that would be also a good time to have the uh, palm and cheer camp, right, like uh, across the street. So you've got these two cultures, oh. absolutely at polar opposites. Uh, but I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm gonna see how this plays out. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna lie. I kind of would love to see just that clash of the two different cons like happening. So all of the cheerleaders, you know, are, are dressed up. They've got all their cheer stuff on. So they are in these very bright, bold colors or whatever. But they're looking at the people in cosplay like, what are you doing? And they're like, excuse me. 
Like, you look just as ridiculous right now. I was going to say, it's like, you're cosplaying it, you're con, we're cosplaying it, ours, leave us alone. Exactly. (laughs) And I was, so, (laughs) that was a good thing. That was really fun to watch. But as I was going into the front entrance, there was a group. It had to be, like, ten people. And they're all clustered around. um, I don't know if they're looking at the ground or something, but there's a big circle of them. And they were singing an acapella version of the Superman theme. And they... (laughs) I don't know if they practiced it, but they hit like they were each doing separate instruments, and it was awesome. And I'm like, these are my people. Yeah. This is awesome, and it sounded great. I should have recorded it. That uh, sounds phenomenal. It was so great. It was just awesome. But point being, like, the, was you know talking about doing the stream and everything like that's and that back and forth, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like we really need to be able to have those connections with with you know our people, as, you know, yeah. capital O, capital P. Yeah. Um, where you start getting a little twitchy, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's... Yeah. I think that was one of the things. That was kind of like one of the reasons for us starting this was like the two of us literally kind of going, hey, we like talking about comic books and we can get yeah. into some good rants about it. Like, let's see if there's other people that enjoy it. Yeah. You know, and the pandemic, as much as it's a horrible, terrible thing, was also the launching point for us. Like, I kind of said before stream as well, like, that was part of the reason of launching it when we did. It was like, okay, everyone is literally stuck at home with nothing to do and I'm like if we can't make this a success or at least some sort of like impact when the fact that like everyone has no other choice but to be at home and looking for stuff to do then like we're not going to be able to launch it any other time and thankfully it worked and it it kicked off and kicked off a whole thing which was amazing and one of of the things about this community is as I've gotten older I've I've come to terms with the fact that I am a geek you know and that's not a bad word and it's, it's okay to be a geek and there's other people out there that share the same interests and you know they're not weirdos they're just normal people that you know that like really geeky stuff and that's totally cool so yeah it's like it's, uh, there's this like pride that's came recently within geek community and honestly i've got to give like top props to marvel especially because marvel studios and the mcu and stuff like that is probably one of the things that's made it a bit more commonplace to be geeky and, and the bigger you know, it's like, because I remember when I was a kid and stuff, like being a geek and being into comic books and being into different stuff was like, it, it, you were kind of relegated to the sidelines a lot of the time. Like, yeah, go go over there. there and then, like, and it's like, it's allowed an opportunity of like, don't get me wrong, I don't think it's brought in anybody particular that wasn't already into that stuff, but it's opened up to give us a freedom of like, you can be a geek and it's cool. It's like, yeah. it's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it being a geek. Like, I, I am a man in his mid-30s that enjoys reading comic books and watching animated shows and all these other things that the world keeps telling us are for kids, and I'm like, yeah, you're lost. This stuff's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. It's demonstrably not true. Oh, like, absolutely not. Time, like, if you're wearing a Spider-Man shirt, like, you're like, ah, nerd, you know, whatever. And now, like, oh, you can totally wear your Spider-Man shirt. Nobody cares. It's fine. You, you can go to any yeah. store and get You can go to, like, Walmart or Kroger or Target or somewhere, and they've got superhero shirts for sale now, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like people, that, that was never a thing, you know. No, it was never a thing. <laughs> no, and and the the youngsters out there, uh, <laughs> they don't remember that time. Like, no, there was a time, dude. You couldn't just you could walk down the street in a Superman shirt, but you might catch some trouble for yeah. it. Like, I'm gonna say, you know, yeah, it's other like other than like the late '80s, early '90s when Batman was a huge thing, and you could get you know just the bat symbol on your T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Like, that's all that they sold. You know. Yep. Yeah. yeah that was probably the one time you got away with that stuff but yeah, yeah it's like yeah. it's and I'm glad things have turned differently now because like, there's so much now that's accessible there's so much connectivity yeah. and the internet is one of the big things that allow that and 
And one of the things you're actually doing, Tom, as well, like apart from like going to cons and stuff, you've actually got a little bit of a, you know, I've been following a lot about up in some of your stuff. You're doing stuff on TikTok. You're posting stuff up on YouTube. You're uh, posting stuff to Instagram. Yeah. It's like so you're you're reaching out and building that community and that fan base online, which is. I think it's a key to kind of survival in this day and age. Like, if you don't have that online presence, at least to an extent, then you're at the very least missing out on a massive chunk of fan base there. Or people that are going to be interested, you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's... that's, uh, My my first novel came out, like, right on sort of the cusp of Facebook happening, and nobody knew what they were doing. Like, none of us were like, well, I I don't know. And, And, like, my publisher would... You, know, say things. you need to be on Facebook. I'm like, do I? Really? What is it? I don't get it. I'm like, all right. So I went on there and I still didn't get it. And I still fundamentally don't get it, to be honest. But um, that was right when all that was happening. And, and the people who understood what was happening and were able to kind of capitalize on it did really well. And the ones yeah. who couldn't would kind of fall behind until we were able to catch up. And then we'd catch up and it would change. Like oh, how, and then a new platform would open, and it's just you know it's been a nightmare trying to keep up with. But the, um, I mean, again with with doing you know like a live stream like this or whatever, having that one on one connection where you can see what's going on in the chat, you can answer questions and things like that. Like we didn't have that, you know, what 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's brand new. Like maybe maybe if I say something funny to Stephen King, maybe he'll like my tweet. You know, yeah, like that can make your whole day. Like, that's yeah, a, yeah. like oh my gosh, Stephen King, <laughs> or whatever. I was gonna say, Nitro literally had one of those moments. Was it this week that happened to you? Or so, last uh, yeah. week? So I, I just got. I'd been wanting to read the Court of Owls for a while. Um, I haven't really read a ton of DC growing up, so I was like, all right. So that seems like a really good place to start, other than Frank Miller. So uh, I got it and I tweeted it out. I was like, look, I'm getting ready to read this for the first time ever, and I tagged obviously Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and um, James Tinian, I believe. I don't want to mispronounce his name. He was a he was another writer on. Yeah, James Tinian the fourth. Yeah. 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 And all three of them responded, and I was like, "All right, I'm done. I'm done for the That's year. Awesome. I'm good. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty sweet." Because I follow yeah. Greg Capullo on, uh, you know, from an art perspective, I follow him on Twitter, and I love his stuff, man. He's just mm-hmm. crazy. He's crazy fast, like how fast he gets through stuff. Uh, so the fact that they responded was pretty cool. But yeah, that was, like, awesome. that, was that was the extent of it before, and like, don't get me wrong, you still get cool moments like that. But it's like, yeah, that was kind of the extent, and live streaming just mm-hmm. opens up that whole other side of things now and and it's cool to see creators like yourself actually you're taking advantage of that like properly like posting videos and stuff and and you're you're not just like trying to connect with community you're also like sharing tips and talking about you know the writing prospect uh, process and like how you get into it and getting ideas from and pushing through things and different you know different aspects which let me throw it in chat that i'm actually like for if i can spell yep there's all the (laughs) That's my big issue with like putting stuff. Here's a bunch of links. I can't spell the one word I've set it to come up under. Um, but there's all the Tom stuff. So go and check him out on across social media and catch up on a lot of these videos and stuff yourself as well, guys. This is uh, Tom's putting some amazing content out there. Just and it's just him sitting chatting. It's like, but the stuff is well worth checking out. Absolutely. And that's what that's another thing that we've come across. You know, like having done this for two years and speaking to a lot of people in the industry, like. <clears throat> most everybody in the industry is extremely generous with their knowledge yeah and it's awesome it's such it's so cool to see yeah yeah and that's you know, and i also i mean that's my one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is being able to whether it's like a school visit or uh like doing cons or whatever interview type things anything with like with a group of people where we can do the q and because that's the part that i like like I, I can talk at you for an hour or whatever but like no yeah. what what did you come here to ask like yeah. what do you really desperately need to know 
And that's one of the things lately, the last several years, when I particularly at school visits, when I'm dealing with uh, usually high school, uh, it's like, do you guys have this little device in your pocket right now? Yeah, that you can take videos and stuff with? Why the hell are you not using it? Like, you can make a movie with this thing in your pocket. Why would yeah. you not? Yeah. Oh my gosh, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, um, and that's true for everybody, regardless of, of how old they are. Like, you can, you have this amazing storytelling device yeah. sitting on your desk or in your pocket right now. Go do that yeah. because you're going to find that group. You're going to find your people, whoever they are. You're going to find them sooner or later, and then you're going to have this great community. And it's mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing, amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and yeah, and, and I love that as well. I love just that passion you've got for like encouraging that creativity in people and stuff like that. It's like and what whatever that looks like you know whether you're a writer or an artist or a photographer or a filmmaker or a streamer or yeah like or what, a chef or whatever yeah. like it doesn't matter yeah use you know, your creativity that, there's a yeah there's a whole world out there of things that you can do and be creative in and be passionate about and mm. you know i think i would remember that as well like you know like simon pegg i've been asked like what does it mean to be like a nerd and be a geek and it's like it's just someone who's desperately passionate about something. Yes. It doesn't mean you yeah. need to be like into comics or sci-fi or like yeah, anime yeah. or anything. It's just like, are you deeply passionate and excited about something? Yeah. It's like, then that's it. You're geeking out over something. It doesn't need yeah. to yeah. be this specific thing. And that's, you know, it's there, I've just encountered far, far too many people and still continue to encounter them, whether they're kids or adults or whatever, um, who had that kind of, pushed out of them as kids and like you can't you're not good enough you're not smart enough you're not this you're not that and that just makes me that just infuriates me yeah um, particularly when it's in young people who are still forming and your brain's not even done till you're 25 for crying out loud i don't yeah. need your mom or your dad saying no you can't like yeah actually i can yeah, yeah. or I'm, I'm gonna sure try um and we're not even talking about you know are, are you making a business out of it that's a whole other topic but like if this is the thing that you get up in the morning like i get to dot 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 like yeah do that come on yeah absolutely that's, that's one of the things i appreciate so when i was growing up i was obviously i was really into art and i drew i drew all the time and you know when it got to time to make my decision for college as far as what i wanted to do my mom's like just do what you want like if you want to go to yeah. school for art just do it it's like you'll you can worry about a job later so, yes. I, yeah, I, so I definitely, I definitely get what you're talking about. I understand. I understand that. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we need to encourage a lot in people now. Is like that. It's like if you've got a passion, a dream, to go for something. It's like, it's okay to go after that thing, and it's okay to also fail at that thing. Like try it. It yeah. might work. It might not. But find out. Like I just, I remember, like I, you know, I don't know what I talked about it in the show before, but like I was at one point, I was superly passionate about pro wrestling. Like, and I was actually getting into it. I was going to train and stuff. I was wanting to really do it and properly get into it. And I remember, like, building up the courage one night like, to tell my parents, like, this is this is what my heart's into and this is what I want to go to. And told them, and it was shot down. It, like, immediately, like, not to be an idiot, not to waste my life and this, all this stuff. And I'm like... Yeah. Which I love as well that the automatic reaction is that they then start telling you all the downsides to doing this. And I'm like... Yeah, because I, this thing I'm totally passionate about, I've never thought about any of that stuff, even though I, I know it probably better than you even do. Um, you know, and it's like, and it's one of those things, I'm like, and don't get me wrong, my life went a different path, I ended up not going for that, and I, I love the stuff that we're doing now, I love getting to do comics in the cross and be a streamer and all that, and this might not have happened if I'd went that path. But sure. at the same time, but there's always that part of me, like, what if I had gone that way? Mm -hmm. Sure. What if I had well, worked I out, you know, and... yeah. 
I, you know, I, I get a lot of, um, when I go to like a school visit, for example, I'm usually like in an English class or something like that. And it's not just like creative kids. You get, it's just a swath of kids who have to take English. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's always a couple, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll just call them jocks. There's some jocks in there. Mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't even want to be here or whatever. I'm like, yeah. so what do you want to do? Let me get um, NFL quarterback. Oh, yeah. Cool. There's like 32 on the planet. Mm -hmm. 32, maybe, at most, at any given time. You're yep. going to be one of them. <clears throat> like, so here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you can't because that, that's just not allowed in our house. We don't use that word. Okay. So but it's gonna be super, super hard. But if that's the thing you wanna do, here's what you do. You go after that thing, you go after pro wrestling, you go whatever after that thing is, as hard and as fast as you can until you can't anymore. Because when you do, these other doors have a way of suddenly opening that you didn't even know existed. Um, like, so you, so, okay, so you want, is it, when you wanna be the NFL quarterback, is it because you want, because you love football? Or because you wanna be rich and famous and have all the chicks and so like, those are two very different things. And it's okay. Yeah just be honest about it mm -hmm. um, because if your goal if your thing is I love football I cannot get enough of this game then go after it have you ever seen an NFL like a, uh, uh, on, on TV like who is animating the big robot guy somebody had to animate that how many cameramen are there what about like you're end up you're gonna go into finance cool do you know how many like accountants work for the NFL you know what I'm saying like so just going after that one thing and that one passion all these other possibilities if you can't get you know to be the pro wrestler, yeah. okay, maybe not. It doesn't happen to everybody. But what might you find on the way to that, on that yeah. journey? You never know, you know. So I yeah. think it's absolutely keep going after that thing, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. It's like I think, you know, it's like you take that path and find out where it leads you. For anyone who's passionate about anything, it's like if you're wanting to yeah. go after that thing, go for it. And just yep. maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll end up somewhere totally different. It's like, yeah. but go for it. Yeah, I think yeah. One, the, one of the ways I heard it like put best for me, I was like, dude, that's really cool, is if you could try anything and not fail, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, that is such a cool way to look at it, because that means like everything's off the table. What do you love to do? Yeah. What yeah. do you want to do? You know? I, just, I that's have so cool. started, and I, I don't know if it's appropriate yet for everybody, So, but one of the things that I've started doing with, with that phrase is saying, okay, what would you do if you knew you were going to fail? but you're do it anyway yeah like that's a it's a slightly different kind of take yeah. i was like because i don't know if i'm ever going to publish another book no idea yeah. but i have to keep writing books i know that ah. yeah. so all right that's what i'm going to do you know they're both yeah. they're both uh, they're both very useful uh, yeah. and more particularly younger people but also all of us who are older now um need to continue to task i was going to say I was going to say that yeah i'm in my 30s man i still need to keep challenging myself with that stuff you know and like, keep pushing myself with that Especially like the last two years, obviously, I, I think a lot of people have reassessed like where they are at, <laughs> you know, their station in life and saying, you know, I'm really not happy with what I'm doing. You know, I got to yeah. figure some stuff out. Yeah, the I world heard... the world changed the last two years. Like, the world today is completely a... different than it was in like 2019, early 2020. And it's been a crap show, but it's been a good thing as well, I think. It's yes. shaking everything I up. And I, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I tend to be, I'm not pessimistic so much as, uh, as have my doubts, <laughs> I'm more mm -hmm. cynical. My wife, my wife is very she's like, there's a difference and you're cynical. I'm like, okay, I'm cynical. <laughs> uh, but I, I do, and, and so for as cynical as I feel about where the world is even just right now as we're speaking, and I feel very cynical about it and very worried and very scared and nervous and depressed and all of that, I also feel like there's this glimmer though, kind of out there like, dude, this, this could be 
a massive turning point mm -hmm. for everybody on earth if we don't screw it up. Yeah. I think we will. We're going to totally screw it up. But <laughs> there's hope. There's hope. We might not. We just might. But there's not. hope, so, yeah. and it's something can come out of that hope. Something can come yeah. out of that. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. To be honest, like I think like there, there's so much awful stuff that's kind of came up in the last two years as well. You know, like so much stuff in this country alone in the states, let alone around the world, let alone the fact there's a war going on at the moment and all this sort of stuff. And but yeah, there is something kind of hopeful and exhilarating about what's happened in the last two years. Yeah. That yeah. that all the stuff that's happening is pushing change. There's a change yes. in the way we do things. There's a change in like this isn't okay the way the world is is not okay and it needs yeah. to be shaken up and that's a really exciting time to be living in when the world's at a point when it needs to be shaken up and it's like yeah. and this is it a lot of people have been left and stuff where they've lost jobs they've lost things you know they don't have what they had but like nitro yeah. said like lives are being reassessed of like what do i actually want out of life like we're, we're in a generation now is like from millennials downward where it's like a case of the previous generations were like we get up go to work you know you work your butt off you do whatever wherever you go and it's like and you just you do it because you have to because we have to earn money and we have to keep our home and our family and it's like yep. we're now in a place of people going like that i don't want to just do a crappy dead-end job where i'm like i don't actually love what i do you, you know what you do and provide for yourself <clears throat> yeah like, and it's like ability. you know yeah, it's yeah. like follow your passion what do you want to do what do you want to get involved in take a shot at it you know it's like and what path you want to take to get there and and it's even possible to make you know careers out of this and and that doesn't mean like you said you know it's like if you want to get in, if football's your thing and you want to get into the nfl that doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be on the field playing Maybe not. but there's other paths to it you know it's like it, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be like a worldwide best-selling author you know making racking in millions but you can still be a published author or a published artist or you can still get your work out there you know it's like yeah. I, you know it's like i like i was doing this on twitch even it's like there's, there's so many people that start this up i'm like i want to do this professionally full time and 100 percent, if i got the chance to do this full time 100 percent, i'd be on this stream non-stop you see me here pretty much 24 7 and <laughs> but at the same time it's like a we get a payout from twitch like maybe every other month it's like it's nothing it's enough to like upgrade one thing for our stream if we're lucky most of the most of the equipment doesn't even get covered under that like so much of the equipment has been bought out of our own pocket so much yep. of the stuff's been on yep. our own pocket and it's like but it's like do but we're passionate about this this is something we want to do and it's like yeah and am i okay doing it at this level like and you know what it's like see if comics of the cross doesn't get that much bigger than this if we don't get we're not doing this full time we don't get paid for this all the time and it's just a little payout here and there it's like you know what i still love it i'm still going to be doing it yeah, you know? yeah. I, I've read way, way, way too many articles um, about uh, uh, people in their you know 80s or 90s who are on their deathbed, and none of them are like, man, I wish I would have put in more hours at work. Like, nobody says that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish yeah. I would have worked harder for that promotion. Like, no, they're like, dang, it's my family, and it's the, the book I didn't write, and it's the trip I didn't take. It's all the stuff they didn't do. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm not, I don't want to figure that out when I'm 84. Let's yeah. figure that out now and make those changes now. And particularly if you're in a place, uh, as we all are, where, I mean, we're, if, if you have a cell phone, do you know how rich you are? Yeah. Like on a global standard, you are yeah. 
filthy rich, man. Yeah. There's nothing stopping. Literally nothing stopping you. I and mean, you can find anyone can find an hour a week. And yeah. it, it's a, it's insane what you could do with an hour a week where it was just yours and you were given permission, mm-hmm. either from the people in your home or from yourself. Like, all right, this hour each week or however many you manage to scrape together is mine. Yeah. And this is what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. doing this thing, whatever it is. And like, I, God, the world would be so much better off if we would all embrace that. But yeah, I, I think I think another another aspect is <coughs> everybody has a really unique perspective that they that they need to share that other people need to see like you know you know from your perspective like you you have a really unique perspective from an author that you can share with other people that they would never know you know unless they read one of your books um you know someone who's who's an artist who illustrates comics or illustrates indie indie books they have a really unique visual perspective that Mm -hmm. that other people would never get to see unless they actually did what they were supposed to do or did what they wanted to do you know so, yeah. like we have a responsibility almost you know yeah i know I, I think it's a great word to use i've been using that word a lot more lately myself and when i talk to people about that like no this is you, you have a duty you have a responsibility to to do this because somebody and we know this is true now from the internet like somebody out there needs or wants your story so it's guaranteed like it's, it's just a question of putting in the time to find them yeah. but they are out there absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely i would agree with that awesome there you go. Hey, we just this, jumped right in, didn't we? There you go. That's. <laughs> right. There you go. That 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 one's for free. That that literally like, I I need to stop making plans for these shows because they never yeah. happen. They well, never the go is, that way. So the way that it goes, Tom, is normally we our, our stream on Sundays is two hours. We just throw away. <laughs> it's because we ramble. Because it's, it's always a rant the first forty five minutes. But this is a good rant. Our, our other rants are just kind of meaningless because we come on and we start a conversation and then it just kind of takes off from there and the thing is like we're in charge and running it so there's no one to tell us to stop i mean we're pretty much right on time it's 240 so you know. yeah so the, yeah so that's a bit right okay so y'all got that one for free uh trombo i'm just looking at the chat here um uh trombo Dalek was talking about you might choose to join the local football team or coach a youth team or something like that 100 percent, man that's yeah. exactly the kind of thing um because maybe you know what maybe you're not going to be the quarterback but you might be coaching the next one yeah like i'd be okay with that i could live yeah. with that you know yeah like, nothing wrong with that, that was, no like, absolutely yeah. absolutely that's a great point <laughs> all right let me jump into this now professional streamers right, we know we, we know what we're doing <laughs> Back on track. Comics the cross. <laughs> we've been doing this for two years and i'm like it's not changed in two years it's never gonna all right, so we do have a couple of little points this week we want to kind of hit before we jump into talking about the actual comic with Tom. Um, we jumped into a lot of other stuff with Tom instead. He just went off track in a totally different direction than just the comic. So um, so first thing to kind of talk about was, of course, Marvel had a massive drop of their newest show this week. Moon Knight Episode 1 dropped. And it's all anyone's been talking about for like the last freaking week has been Moon Knight Episode 1. I think it was a little bit of a success, but I wanted to jump in with you, gentlemen. Have you seen it? What did you think of it? What was your thoughts on it? We hardly ever get a chance to see much of anything, so I haven't seen, have not seen it, I'm afraid. If there's one show from Marvel that you get the chance to watch if you make time for it, Tom, I would recommend Moon Knight. Really, this really first, this first episode was amazing. One hundred percent, my favorite Marvel show opener that we've had. Oscar Isaac's a beast. Oscar Isaac 
stole this man as the way this first episode was laid out simply just the fact of like like what a good 30 odd minutes of the episode 35 minutes Mm -hmm. is Steven and his perspective and the fact of learning of his life and the fact of like sometimes he blacks out and he sets up stuff to stop him sleepwalking and only like at the last like half quarter of the episode do we start getting introduced to the idea of Konshu and Mark and these other things that are going on that he's got no clue about and leading up to this reveal is like it was so well done I love the way that they have him spacing out in the in the show and he's just missing time the way that they the way that they dry the camera so sweet yeah it was so well done and also massive shout out as well massive praise to um, Ethan Hawke um, playing a completely original character in this um, he is basically like the avatar for Amet um, one of the Egyptian goddesses and judges people for her um, on their lives and like he it's cool because you see him like judging and you see the tattoo of like the scales on his like forearm and the scales move and then like either judges if they've been good or if they've not lived a good life or whatever um, and judges their past, present, and future, and he played it so well. Yeah, it was like awesome. these. If you're not a superhero fan, if you're not into the Marvel stuff, I would still highly recommend anyone checks this out just for Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke playing off of each other. The yeah. two of them are such phenomenal actors at the top of their game in this. This is such a good show. Yeah, it definitely got a David Koresh vibe to Ethan Hawke because uh, he, he was the. It was the opening of the show showed him basically crushing glass up and putting it in a sandal and then slipping the sandals on and walking nice. so it's like it's like flagellation type stuff it yeah was, it was just really really cool it's so that's cool he's not known for serial work so that's interesting to see how he'll be able to develop a character over a, a longer frame yeah it was, it's, it's really cool because he it wasn't over the top or anything like that it's very subdued you know presentation it's really awesome because he really actually gets you like connected with his character a lot and like just that first episode like Ethan Hawke really like is able to establish himself so quickly like which I think is just a mark of like how good of an actor he actually is and this character and like what this character represents and stands for and uh, Oscar Isaac which shout out to him as well because obviously like Moon Knight's got multiple personalities so like shout out to that final scene where it's him locked in the bathroom and there is literally Oscar Isaac acting off of Oscar Isaac as he as Mark and Steven interact with each other and it doesn't feel cheesy it doesn't feel over the top it feels like two totally different personalities having a conversation yeah like because they're so different from each other and it's like such an amazing job like he done such a great job of portraying this character so I do have to give a massive shout out to them for that I thoroughly enjoyed Moon Knight more than I thought yeah. I was going to yeah, um, really and it's only a six episode season so I'm excited to see where they go with this six episodes I think it's going to be phenomenal right. uh, for those of you in chat like, what did you guys think of Moon Knight what did you think of the portrayal of Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke did you guys enjoy the show if you had a chance to check it out yet let us know in chat as we keep going um, so yeah we just wanted to get our little point in there that we thoroughly enjoyed that look out for Nitro and I doing like a full a review of that once the show finishes once we get past the six episodes um, the other big bit of news um, from the DC side of things 
isn't involving one of their properties as much as one of their actors. Good old Ezra Miller. You know, just when you thought two years ago when he was video choking a woman out on the street and we thought, okay, that's... that's I, I don't know how we got past that somehow. Somehow we just kind of like moved on from that. Um, but like he went on and he got... He, you know, he's been doing good. He's been appearing as a Flash in multiple different things. Not his own movie yet, but you know, he's appeared in other things as the Flash. He's... You know, he's in the Wizarding World and part of the Fantastic Beast series and you know, kind of a you know, the top of geek culture in a sense of these big properties that but apparently we should keep him away from Hawaii because he went to Hawaii and it all went horribly wrong. Uh, first of all was the incident at the bar for dis- disorderly conduct where apparently he took great offence at people singing karaoke. Don't sing karaoke around Ezra Miller. Like I, I hope he was drunk. How dare you? I hope he was drunk because I don't know what set him off otherwise. But like, yeah, apparently like, the police were called and he was causing issues. He was throwing some stuff, I think, different things like that. So, um, he got out on a five hundred dollar bail. So it wasn't like a massive bail or anything. So it wasn't like a huge thing. Then. It continues as he decided to threaten a couple, threaten burning them alive after he broke into the house they were staying in via a window. That's, that's <laughs> like you're on something, right? Yeah. Like, something's going do. on. Something very bad has happened. Yeah, like I of you, one way or another. Like, wow. you think I was making this up, like, pulling stuff out of a hat, like... <laughs> like, you threatened a couple. How did you threaten them? He burned them. But it, how, how did they get to the couple? He broke into their house through a window. It's like... It, it feels so thrown together, and I'm like, no, the nut job did this. <laughs> Barry Allen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Here's your flash. Man. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's also heartbreaking because it just it makes is. you wonder like did, was it the success could you like not handle it but because here's the thing that I, I feel like that happens a lot we see i mean obviously we've seen it with child actors mm-hmm. you know over many years but like where this industry and it's not the only one but this industry in particular just has this record of just let here's all this money and fame and success and you're on you know you can't buy a stick of gum without your face being on a magazine yeah. good luck yeah like I mean that changes your entire life and it can be overnight now what do you do with it well yeah. drink I guess yeah. you know like where's the well that's it it's like it opens up the different... go ahead, it. Sorry. I was going to say because it opens up the world as well in terms of that like <clears throat> not just do you like throw it into that sort of stuff but that stuff becomes like amazingly more accessible to you when you you right. know you're successful and you've got money to throw at it it's like yeah. all of a sudden you can get like you said he's, he's, he has to be on something right I'm like well he probably has access to it now yeah, yeah. like I, I like I hope he was on something I think another dimension <laughs> that you know that, that just multiplies this is you're dealing with a comic fan base like comic book yeah. fan base especially the DC and especially the Snyder fan base you know you're dealing with that's a lot of scrutiny a lot of very vocal people that, oh, yeah. you know, I, I have to imagine takes some sort of toll on you mentally, you know. I'm sure it does. I'm oh, sure it does. absolutely. And, I, and, I, yeah. I, and all I'm thinking in my head is, like, even if, like, the Flash has been, like, delayed for, like, I don't know, a decade at this point, it feels like. But, you know, it's like, 
at the very least, it's like he's still appearing as Flash, though. Like, like just this year, he, he appeared. You know, spoilers for the end of Peacemaker, but he's in a cameo appearance at the end of the Peacemaker series from James Gunn. Yeah. He. He appeared a couple of years ago in the crossover, the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover in CW, where he came face to face with their Flash. Yeah, like, awesome, yeah, like he's he's still like appearing. He's still being this superhero. Is like, and then of course he's got all the the Fantastic Beast stuff that he's doing. Like, these are franchises that are that have got really passionate fan bases, and also a lot of those fan bases as well. Like. Not to throw this one in there to really put a wrench in the works, but a lot of those fan bases as well are kids. Yeah. Kids are superhero fans and are crazy about Harry Potter. These are two of the big franchises for them as well. Mm-hmm. And you've got one of the big mega stars at this point. Mm-hmm. Ezra Miller doing crap like this, and I'm like mm-hmm. All I'm thinking is the fact of like like fun enough, I had seen it in chat there. You know, Warner Brothers seem to love people like Ezra Miller and Amber Heard. Like, mm. like Warner Brothers, you literally fired Johnny Depp over an accusation that ended up not being true. And yet we've got stuff like this happening. And Ezra Miller, like, oh yeah, it's fine. They've not even released a statement, and they're like, he's in two of your biggest franchises, Warner Brothers. Come on. <laughs> so much going on behind the scenes that we'll never know that, yeah. yeah there's so much story behind yeah. all that yeah for sure I, mean, I just feel like DC needs needs a Kevin Feige I mean I, I think that would solve a lot of their problems they need uh, someone to organize everything I just like I just I don't get how like, they, probably, they will bounce back from it and they will market yeah. it but I'm like you've, you've finally started pushing your Flash movie we kind of got a half a trailer like in all the stuff you were talking about that was coming out this year even though it was pushed back to next year again how do you start marketing this at a certain point or like when you've got your star is doing stuff like this and, like, and then you have to market hey here's your superhero it's like that becomes a lot more difficult and I'm like and that's the thing. It's like I'd say, like, okay, this was a stupid, like, drunken weekend that he had or something, or he was like high on something. But like two years ago, we had that, like, that choking incident, which kind of just got swept under the rug a little bit. And it is like, is this going to be a reoccurring thing that this dude does? Because if it is, that's another issue that needs to be dealt with. It's not just yeah. he had a bad weekend. It's like this is now a serial thing that he does. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, and it's like Warner Brothers need to address that. They just they do. Like yeah. even I don't care if his movies have like been filmed and he's not got any upcoming projects with them or anything like that. It's like this guy is associated highly with your studio. I expect some sort of statement, surely. Yeah, I I hope he has a friend somewhere. It's not yeah. in the industry, you know. Uh, I've seen it happen in, in stage with stage actors before. There was a guy I know who was. Uh, kind of this up and coming actor, and and he knew it, and he was being odd <coughs> by all the you know this little cluster. And it, it, obviously, the scope is very different, but like fell into that. It's like well, and pretty soon starts to believe his own press kind of thing, until somebody a little bit older and who'd been around a little bit took him out to coffee or whatever one one night and was like, "You need to stop. Yeah, yeah. here's what's gonna happen." Like yeah. and just laid out, and there was there was a turn like very abruptly. There was a turn there, and That's you got awesome that kind of relationship exists somewhere for, yeah. for people like that, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Can I can, can we get Henry Cavill on the phone for him? Like I just yeah. I just I just feel like let's get let's get Henry Cavill back let's in get here. Henry Cavill have him build Ezra a PC 
and get him into a little bit of war. You know what I mean? It's like the, 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 king, the king of geeks here. Let's get him in. Let's get him... Because like he's the most chilled out dude in the world. Like he doesn't go out and do all this and do drugs and drinking. DC, get him another Superman movie. It's like this is a guy who took his fame and goes and builds PCs and does video games and all that sort of stuff. Can we get him to like buddy up with Ezra Miller and just keep an eye on him? Yeah, just hang out for a bit. You know, it's like just 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 to hang out, teach him how to do all these new skills, and then if Ezra gets out of line, he can smack him one as well. He's big enough; he can just put him down easy. <laughs> You know what I mean? The guy's the guy's built like a wall. Like he's, Ezra Miller's not going to be able to take him. So like he's technically got security to keep an eye on him as well. It's like it's perfect. It's a <laughs> But yeah, I I literally don't think there's any more news this week that is any more exciting than Ezra Miller getting arrested twice. Like that's that's pretty much about as big as it gets this week. That's good. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Grateful for it. <laughs> Uh, I'd say Henry is interested in playing Captain Britain. It's like I'd be up for that. Henry Cavill is Captain Britain. I'd be I'd be down for that. Somebody mentioned him. Give him give him something. I, somebody mentioned <laughs> him as Hyperion. I'm like, dude, that's just basically Marvel Superman. Like, I mean, I know that's simple. That's that's a lot, but it's a little too on the nose at that yeah, point. We're yeah, gonna yeah. They, DC won't give him a Superman movie, so Marvel give him a Superman esque. Movie. How, how much of a slap would that be, though? How much of a slap would that be? If Marvel's like, all right, if y'all are gonna do it, we are, and we'll make it better. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. If you're not gonna use it for Superman, we will. Yeah. Like, absolutely. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, I think that's again the big news points for this point. So um, we're gonna get in to actually talking about our big topic for today. Um, our man here, Tom, has released a comic. And um, before we get into that, let me do a little plug as I chuck this in the chat as well. Um, something I keep forgetting to do frequently on the show and I need to do a lot more often and um, we are actually brand ambassadors with um, BCW Supplies um, if you're a comic book fan, comic book collector then you know about BCW pretty much every collector has BCW long boxes and bags and boards and everything um, so the link that is in chat you can actually click on and use um, code comics cross to save 10% on any purchases from the BCW website um, which is something I actually need to do. I need to get a new long yeah, box and get some more supplies. Up. So I'm going to need to stock up myself. That would have been good to know before I <laughs> my film it, guys. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> Shoot! <laughs> I think that's where I ordered from, though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I just to be, had to buy all my. To be, fa to be fair, even if I don't mention it, there's a big BCW logo pretty much in all of our streams. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it's at least there, I've made sure it's front and centre if nothing else. But if you need your any comic um, collective supplies, hit that link, go and pick them up for yourself. I will be doing that shortly because I desperately need to get a new long box. I do too, man. I need another one. <coughs> I just stuffed up the one I was filling up there and there's literally no room. I'm at the point where I'm like putting comics on top of the stacked ones. Mm -hmm. Like just trying to keep the lid on it just so that they're in a box protected as, instead of sitting yeah. it out. And I'm like, yeah, I need a long box desperately. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just wanted to throw that out there because it's something I don't do as frequently because I I am very much like an ADHD sort of mind. Like I get scatterbrained and forget stuff that I'm meant to talk about. So I I remember that I wanted to make sure I said it because otherwise it's never going to get mentioned. Um, but yes, yeah, so on to today's topic, we are of course sitting with award-winning novelist Tom Multi Levine, multi-award-winning multi novelist Tom Levine. You know. Hi. Make sure. <laughs> uh, to okay. talk 
to talk to him about his latest project, which you can see subtly sitting right behind him there on his shelf, along with all of his other amazing work, Beckett's last mixtape. Um, honestly, the artwork's stunning. Like, shout out to is it Next Girl ninety one? It's the name of the yes. artist. Um, yeah. she's phenomenal. She's um, go check out her Instagram page to get some more of her artwork and stuff out there. She yeah. is I phenomenal. love the aesthetic. The aesthetic on the cover <coughs> is awesome. And yeah, that like watercolor feel, like almost yeah. pastelly, like dreamlike, dreamlike. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly where. I think I found her on either ArtStation or DeviantArt. Ah, uh, uh, nice. Going through, trying to find, uh, and it's really hard to find if you don't already, if you're not already plugged in, to find a good sequential artist mm-hmm. uh, like that. And yeah, there was something about um, what she does because it's it's not, you know, it's not like a manga or anything, but it's like almost inspired by that. It's sort definitely of anime-ish or manga-ish. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's got that element to it, and like. It- just some of the artwork is just so stunning. Like I think some of my favorite shots come near later on in the book, um, when it's like it's her walking down the road, and it's literally just her walking on the road, and then like the the color effect going into the sky from yes. the orange into the blue, yes. and it's like but you can see like the dot work. Yeah, yes, I love it. It's like you can yeah, you, see you comic, the like dot, that and comic <clears throat> yeah. it's it's yeah, yeah. so beautiful. Like the, that's probably some of my favorite panels in the whole book. Like they're stunning. So I, I, one of my favorite mediums is, is watercolor, so I instantly connected with it. I love it. Yeah, I love the look of it. Um, but before yeah. we delve into the actual stuff in the book, Tom, I want to just kind of hand over to you, and I want to um, focus on like our audience who might not know about you, might not know where you're from, how you got into, how you got into writing, how you got into comics at all, all this sort of stuff. Let's just throw it over to you. Who is Tom Levine? And just to kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Right on, cool, thank you. Yeah, so I started writing fiction in second grade. We had a an assignment to write a short story. I don't know if they're still using it anymore, but there used to be this um, brown looking, like almost recycled paper with blue lines on it for practicing handwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what we had back in the day. And so we had to fill up one of these sheets with a story, so I did it. Uh, and then I got called up to the teacher's desk and I thought I was in so much trouble because oh. she was the teacher, like the one, like nobody wanted this teacher. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I want you to rewrite this story and make it longer and tomorrow morning you're going to read it to the first graders and I'm like I'm being punished and she won't tell me why I don't know what I did but I was she was scary so I did it Uh, and yeah so and she read it real quick she's like all right take it next door and read it to the first graders I'm like you gotta be kidding me so I go next door I'm you know seven eight nine whatever it is and just like everybody loves public speaking as you know oh yeah absolutely oh god he's terrified and then I looked up and I see, you know, 30 first graders and they're all just like, that's awesome. like they have no idea what's going to happen and they don't care. Like they just know something cool is happening. And I, I, no joke, at that very moment, I was like, cool, got it. Yeah. Like I was like, that's okay, so I want to cool. stories and I want to be up in front of people. Um, so like from that point forward until this very day, I've either been writing stories in some way or doing some kind of either performance or speaking, whatever. Um, I started doing theater in eighth grade and I did that for 22 years as an actor and director here in town. Uh, ran a couple of different theater companies for 16, so 16, 17, 18 seasons altogether. Wow. Um, ran a mixed use uh, arts venue for a few years, which was really great. Um, and then in 2007 or eight, I got my first literary agent. Um, for uh, for a novel that I'd written back when I'd started college, so like 93 or something, I think. 
and uh, that didn't sell right away. And then there was this, so much drama in publishing. But at the end of the day, what happened was I ended up with this other agent who sold my debut novel, Party, which was at the time looked like this. Um, and we sold that at auction to Random House uh, Children's Books. So it was between that house and another house. Um, and that kickstarted the whole thing. Never saw it coming. I think a lot of us um, in, in who are writing prose and writing novels, like our, our goal when we talk about those dreams that we talked about earlier, is like, well, what do you really want? Like, I just want to go to Barnes and Noble and see a book that I wrote on the shelf. Yeah. Like, that's really it. Yeah. There's no, very, very few of us are like, I want to be rich and famous. And I want to, like, we just don't think about it. We just want to know <coughs> what stuff's out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's where I had the same thing. Like, I just want to get this one book. And then the next thing you know, um, as soon as you sell that one book, the publisher's like, so what's next? And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> come up with something. Um, and so that just kind of kick started the whole um, career there with in traditional publishing. I ended up doing nine books so far with wow. uh, Random House and Simon and Schuster primarily, and then a couple other um, smaller New York houses. Um, and then what, and this is the kind of thing that happens, um, and to, because I want to disabuse um, viewers and students from from how things actually work. Uh, one of the things that ended up happening, and as we talked about earlier, those, these doors that you didn't even know existed start opening. Um, I can tell you right now, in no uncertain terms, there is no secret handshake. You don't have, your daddy doesn't have to be present in a random house. Like it, it is an open field, but they will take anybody. There's nothing, there's no secret about how to get into these industries at all, whether it's comics or uh, novels, whatever. Uh, but once you are in, then you just very organically start meeting new people and making new connections and, and, mm -hmm. and these opportunities have a way of showing up. But it's not that like, well, I knew Todd McFarlane, so I just called him up and said, hey, Todd, I want to do a comic for you. Like, yeah. no, that's, that is not at all what happened. Um, so in the case of Spawn, what happened is I happened to, I met somebody who worked at a bookstore who knew somebody who works for Todd McFarlane who just so happened to overhear him saying, I really need a new writer. I don't want a comic book writer. I want somebody different. And she goes, I know somebody. And then stopped by my table at con and said, hey, do you want to write for Spawn? And I was like, sure, I should probably read that. Like, okay. But that it's just it was just random stuff like that is, is yeah, how those cool. kinds of things happen. Um, so yeah, so I got to do a few issues of Spawn several years ago, which was such a cool Great. job. We're gonna talk about that later. Um, and then right now, I'm, I've had a, a really good experience writing for Catalyst Games on their BattleTech line. Uh, when I grew up as a tabletop war game kid, um, doing all that kind of stuff, so I'm like, I'm writing about Max. <laughs> <laughs> like he gets a fanboy over this stuff, and it's, it's really cool. So that is the relatively short version of how we got to here today. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. It's it's a fairly varied career, like being a writer, yeah. and it's like it's opened up a lot yeah. of kind of doors and different stuff for you, which yes. is kind of cool. This. You know, because you wouldn't think about that, like the tabletop gaming writing, and then like just being an author, like opens the door to spawn. Yeah, yeah. Like that was the thing. Because that was the thing that kind of got me was like looking up like your, you know, biography, of the books you've written, and like spawn is like just such the odd one out in there. Like all these novels are in spawn, and I'm like, how in the heck did that happen? That's just like. Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing is, is uh, people who, as aspiring writers and artists, I think, who want to get into, well, first of all, they get it into their heads that you can be either Marvel, DC, or Image. That's it. You know, and then there's these smaller independent ones, you know, or whatever, like, but I really have to, I like to write for Hulk or whatever. And it's like, cool. I'm, again, encourage you to keep working towards that. Um, 
but like when those um, fans will be like, "Oh, you vote for sponsor? You can, like you can do whatever, right?" Like, no, it, it doesn't work that way. I can't just knock on the door at Marvel and say, "Hey, I wrote for Spawn, give me a job." Like, it, it yeah. just simply doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about that is, is that like, yes, yeah, so my my background coming into Spawn was in prose, and that's a very, very different process than writing a comic book which is similar but still different to writing television, which is similar but still different to writing for a feature film. Like, you know, it's, it's a, these are all very, very different skill sets. And I, it didn't take very long to realize, like, I don't possess all of these skills. Yeah. You want a book? I can give you a book in a month. No problem. 60,000, 80,000 words. No problem. Write a comic book. Holy God. Okay. Like, it's a completely different monster. It's a fun monster but totally different you know yeah. so well yeah. yeah because it's like it's a total it's almost a totally different medium because you're taking this this world where you're trying to describe everything and words and paint pictures and paint scenes for people to have in their own mind to yeah. like because like cause i've tried I've, I've tried writing my own comic i've still got like the first draft of a comic i wrote and stuff like that and you start thinking about like but i need to think about how do i want pages laid out and what sort yeah. of stuff like what storytelling do i allow the images to tell how much like do it, do it. I can put all this, you know, dialogue in there, and then you start to realize I don't want this to be like, you know, one of the Kevin Smith runs where like he's got like half the page covered in text, and you can't even see the art. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like no, I can't do that because you need to let the art. It's like, there's so many elements to it that you don't think about until you actually have a go, and you're like, oh, wait, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to it, and I'm like, so like, so I give kudos to anyone that's actually done it professionally or is doing it professionally. Like it's. Like I had a go, and I'm like, there's a reason mine's still in a first draft and never went further than that. It was because I'm like, that took everything out of me to even just get a draft done. Well, like, you I, know? I, was talking, I was talking with my wife about it. Like, she she writes outside of obviously being a full time mom, and we have started trying to put together like just something for our kids, like a small comic. And I'm like, dude, this is incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never done sequential art. She's never done a comic. Like, she's written like screenplays and stuff like that, but. It is a completely different animal. It's yeah. just like you have to like. Obviously, I, I think prose, to your point, Tom, is a is a is a visual. It's a visual medium, I think, because you're trying to inspire mental visual images through words. But I think yeah. comics is just it's just a multiplier of that. Like you have yeah. to know exactly what you want type thing. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. I I I thought uh, I, I I egotistically at the time thought my thing's dialogue because in my in my prose in my novels. That's usually the thing that um, fans will comment on is my dialogue. Like, well, my dialogue is good, and I lean into that as much as I can because of my mm-hmm. theater background. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's all you that get. Sense. You get this and what you say. So it was very, it was a very natural transition for me to do that. And dialogue is something that a lot of prose writers do struggle with, and I don't. Like, okay, cool. But because of that, my description, you know, I, I can tend to keep it a little bare bones and minimalistic because I want to get to the action. I want to get to the people talking. Yeah, yeah. In a comic like this, like that, like, oh, well, it's great that you can write dialogue, but if you're, what what am I looking at though? You yeah. know, it, it's not the same, it's not the same transition. And a lot and of times I, like the dialogue I, that you write, you're like, I, there's, I, I don't know how to like visualize that. That's, this is crazy. Yeah. There's so much happening. <laughs> yeah, put the dialogue down and think, where does it go in this picture that I've got in my head? Like, oh, yeah. like no, that's... <laughs> Well, my, my letterer, thankfully, is, I mean, if, if, if you need a question answered about comics ever, about, like, any topic, he's the guy. He has been into comics, I think, his entire life. 
Um, and he's also an artist, so that's been really good. And so I'm, I'm really happy with how the lettering turned out. But it, like even lettering, like I don't know, like can't you just like use your like Word document? Can't you just put it in there? Like no, you no. can't. Mm-hmm. It's no. a completely. It's an also a completely <clears throat> different art. Yeah, it's a different art form. It's a different visual language that you know. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, and I, Cross and I have talked about this before. Like, especially with lettering, if lettering is really, really, really good, you don't notice it. And that's I exactly think that, what you said. Yep. I think that's how it should be. Like you don't, yeah. you don't even notice it. Yeah, but if it's but if it's really bad, you know. You notice. It, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like all three, so you know, <coughs> you have the actual words on the page, the story. You have the art for the comic, and you have the lettering, and all three of them have to synchronize perfectly to to tell a great story. Because if one of those is off, it impacts the other stuff. Even if the other stuff yeah. is really great, like you can have a a bomb story, an awesome story. Yeah. But the art is like, you know, that's going to impact the story. You know, yeah, Absolutely. they all have to come together. And I think just to that credit, like you said to the letter as well, like that is something I think Nitro and I have both learned because we've we've talked to quite a few pros in the business now. We've started to build up conversations with people, and every time we have a conversation with someone, like the more and more I start to get more and more respect for the letters of comics because I start to realize just how important their job. Because I was like you, I thought, oh yeah, it's just you chuck the letters on the pages, like you just throw it on, like. You know, put it in, put it in Photoshop, put the art on, and just there you go. Words on top, good. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's so much more than that. And it's like, yeah. it's insane. When you start, when you start getting when when I was uh, doing some other uh, comic stuff that I that will not see the light of day now because I can look at it differently. And be like, wow, yeah, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> but you get it in front of people who are in the industry, and you're like, what do you think of this? Like, no, no, this is bad. No, why'd you do this? No, and just mm. ripping it apart. Like, oh my god. And until you've been trained to see it, it feels like you just can't pick up on that stuff, man. It's it's really hard. It's completely <coughs> set. worth yeah. learning uh, yeah. for for any writer because uh, it's it, having that um, that sort of toolkit to pull from. I think is important. Um, but yeah, but you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing point it out to you. Like, no, it's the same with editors and pros. Like that's why I remember um, when my when I first sold my novel. Um, I had a friend who was not literary in any stretch of the imagination. He's like, well, if your agent's so good, why isn't she writing a book? And I was like, because, uh, oh my God, I don't know. That's a really good question. But the answer I come to find out is because she's not a writer. She's an agent. And agents are really good at doing this. And editors yeah. are really good at doing this. Yeah. And boy, my comic book needs an editor. And so now I have one for issue two of Beckett's last mixtape because I've learned I need an editor for this, you know? Uh, yeah. so many different it's such a team thing across the board you know yeah that's so cool and I remember uh, one of my one of my favorite uh, Todd McFarland stories though about that about learning the visual stuff is I'm so I'm sitting in his office like I'm in Spawn Central with his life-size statue of Spawn and like it's just, just, just stuff everywhere like oh my god this is amazing um, it's like alright and, and he wanted me to, to pitch him uh, this, this new villain that we're gonna create and spawn yeah. like a no pressure. I'm like okay, okay, so, so, so it's this guy, right? And he's he's got, he's at this big desk and he's got like this white suit on and whatever, and and he's sitting there and the desk is just empty and he's just very still. He's got his hands on the desk and there's this mask and I'm just going on and on. And every five seconds he's going. Oh no! Like the whole time I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And so finally when I shut up, he's like, okay. So what you're saying is there's nothing to look at. And I was like, well, but nope, not a damn thing. You're absolutely right. Like, just like in my head, like you can see it beautifully. Like, oh, yeah. this guy 
so very still and it's gonna look so good but that and i mean like right there like how many thousands of dollars worth of education that i get in that yeah. subject yeah. like nothing's happening like oh oh okay yeah and so now like even when i open beckett's i'm like okay she's sitting no sitting damn it i gotta have stop sitting do something you know it's crazy stuff like that but yeah a lot of fun though <laughs> that's awesome though but like but that's it though i think that's when you can tell that you're really dealing with a real pro in the business yeah like that's it with tony farland and just that one i mean the, the guy that created spawn one of the creators best known for spider-man you know it's like and just a simple sentence just changes your entire perspective on a pitch yeah. you know you're pitching oh, yeah. this villain and just goes so nothing's happening then yep like there's nothing to look at it's just a guy sitting at a desk and it's like yeah <laughs> sorry. so sorry what happened <laughs> yeah that, that that is cool though because like I, I know you've you've been involved in our community for a while now and a lot of times when we'll have pros in the industry you're the one like who's basically asking the questions and chat oh yeah like and based off stuff that i've read like interviews that you've done and stuff like that you're a huge proponent of like continued education yes. like how can you talk about that a little bit like how important that is to like receive feedback give feedback and just be in that constant state of like i need to learn more you know because like you said earlier like it's easy to get to that point where you know you're reading your own press clippings you know like i'm good like i'm I'm good with this instead of being in a position where you're like i need to learn more you know yeah wow there's so much to unpack there man um because it's all it's your yeah it's all true um so i i remember specifically um i was uh I went to a nonfiction writing course over at Arizona State University, um, and as I went in, uh, this is long after I've been published, and I went in, and one of the students there um, was actually somebody I had taught in a university course in creative writing. So she knew, she said, oh my gosh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, sh- don't, I'm like, I, 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 I'm going to yeah. take the class, okay, don't yeah, take yeah. it. Um, and so we, we do the first half of the class, and then we take a break, and sure enough, this student goes, and by the way, everybody, oh, no. Pauline's here. I'm like, no, son of a, no. <laughs> uh, like, okay, hey, everybody, right. And immediately, <coughs> a little bit, uh, there's a, a woman sitting in front of me, and she, she goes, well, then what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know how to write creative nonfiction is what I'm doing here. I didn't say yeah. that, but in my head, like, yeah. I don't know this <clears throat> thing. That's why I'm here, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think, like, everything I thought I knew from prose I try to put into the comic and like I think you'll see like in Beckett's last mixtape which is based on that debut novel party um, kind of based slash inspired by um, the the stuff that I'm importing that I think is good and that people will respond to is the character again theater and the, the whole young adult contemporary kind of thing that I do like that's my strong suit um, now how do I take that and how do I envision it to the page and then more importantly how on earth do I tell somebody living in Indonesia, like whose English is their second language? I'm pretty sure that's what my artist, where my artist lives. Like, how do I tell her now in this scene, Beckett's really hurt or whatever? Like, oh my God, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. Uh, again, if you want me to write a book about it, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I, I think there's, um, and and it may not universally be true, but I think a lot of us who are creative, we tend to think of ourselves as creative or artistic or whatever. Uh, you know, there's that whole, you know, tortured artist kind of sad art, whatever that we all kind of deal with. And there's kind of a reason it's a trope because it's, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's frequently true, not always, but a lot of us who, uh, who express ourselves creatively and artistically 
have a lot of baggage. Like we're bringing stuff to this and we're mining it for our storytelling <clears throat> and that yeah. kind of stuff. And so the, the trap I think um, is on the one hand, and this is the part I struggle with is, yes, you okay, you were good enough. Random House, Todd McFarlane, this you know Catalyst game, like how much more validation do you need, yeah. right? And I'm over here going a ton. Because yeah, because we, yeah, <laughs> we need, need the validation. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so there's there's this awful awful balance of I'm good enough to have gotten here, but I'm not so great that I don't need it to learn anything else. Yeah. You know, and I I don't That's know huge. what the key is to that. I just mm-hmm. know that um, I if I'm gonna default, it's gonna be to the I suck. Yeah. Like I suck. Yeah. I'm so bad. I can't believe anybody. Like my feelings. Like well, clearly. Like I'm hearing you and seeing you right now say I like this comic book and then there's that voice in my head going they're lying, they think you suck. Like what? <laughs> How? And that's why they invited you onto the stream, dude. Right? Like it's such an argument yeah. Yeah. in the head and it's it's just awful. So I don't have a solution. <laughs> for you. If I do, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. One of the cool quotes you were you were talking about like mining your experiences from a creative standpoint. And one of the, I was reading an interview that you did. I forgot who it was, who it was who it was for, but you said something really cool. You said you were talking about writing realistic fiction as opposed to horror, which I think is where you you started out in horror, right? Writing um, horror. As, as a as a writer, yes. As a yeah. published author, not until later, but yeah, yeah. I would say I started horror. Yeah. You were talking about the difference between writing horror and realistic fiction, and you said realistic fiction can sometimes be an emotional exorcism. I thought that was a really cool way to put that, and I immediately knew what you meant. Like, like yeah. getting your past experiences out. Like that was that was just a really cool. Uh, you know, I, I love that visual. Yeah, there's there is stuff. There are scenes like uh, because most of what I've, I've uh, published traditionally, anyway, has been contemporary realistic type stuff. One of the questions, particularly again, like at schools, so I'll get is like, so did this really happen, or is that guy really your friend, or whatever? Yeah. And the truth is, like, no, it, it's not autobiographical. It's yeah, never yeah. autobiographical uh, because that's boring. Like, story has shape and structure. And when people come up to you and like, oh, my life would be such a great story, like, no, it probably wouldn't. Yeah. At least not the way you're thinking of it. Yeah, yeah. We can take these sections. We're gonna take this piece and this piece, and then we're gonna change this one. And meld these two characters together, like story, uh, story for consumption is intentional, right? That's it's a it's a thing you have to do. Same as like building a comic book, like you have to be very intentional about each and every panel. Yeah. Uh, but, like, is that Joel and Matt? Oh yeah. And when Joel and Matt read it, they know like that's me. That's totally Tom. Totally ripped me off. Like, yep, okay. <laughs> you know, I got you, it. They, you, the people who know, they know. But yeah. it's not autobiographical. A lot of those scenes, though, and a lot of those books, like they absolutely, they're they're um, emotionally true. You know, like this isn't what happened, but it's sure what it felt like happened. Yeah. You know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. That like that, and I really like that you're saying that as well because that's something that I, that creative prospect of like changing something of like a real life experience and turning it into a story. That people want to consume is like something that's so looked on. Like I've seen people like ripping apart autobiographical stuff or ripping apart stuff because like, oh, it's not telling the real story though because this didn't happen and that didn't happen. And I'm like, did you stop for a minute and think though there's a reason that they've changed it because they want to make a story that people can enjoy? It's like <clears throat> when you're telling a story, it's okay to exaggerate things. It's okay to 
change things and that? Is it because you're trying to make the story more pleasing to what we are open to, what we're willing to take in, what we will be able to look at and go, okay, that makes sense going, you know, boom, 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 boom to that. It's like, and yeah. the fact of like, that that's part of the process sometimes, like the fact of like, that's okay to do is like, it's... It's necessary. <clears throat> it's not even just okay. Like you have to learn how to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was either, I always get this wrong. I think it was David Morrell who wrote First Blood, uh, which is fantastic, by the way. If you haven't read the novel for First Blood, it's, it's amazing. Um, I think I think it was him. I could be wrong, but anyways, uh, somebody asked him about like, well, you know, this happened in the book, but then in the movies, like then Sylvester Stallone went off and did all this other stuff. Like, doesn't that make you mad? You know, that, that they change it so much. And he's like, you. Oh, it was either him or, or John Carpenter talking about Halloween. That's what it was. It's one of those two guys, but I can't remember which. Uh, but anyway, whoever it was was like, you cannot watch those movies, or you cannot read that book. Mm-hmm. That that no one no one has destroyed. The original property yeah you can just, you can just read that and not yeah. do the other you're allowed to do that you know yeah. um, because you know in a, in a thing like that translation like our our, our favorite comic or like we we're talking about moon knight or whatever right your favorite comic book suddenly comes to the big screen and you're like oh but that's not accurate or that's not true or that didn't happen it's like there's a really really good reason it didn't yeah like the, the writers generally speaking there are exceptions but generally speaking a good writer a good screenwriter is like yeah this bit can't this, that's got to go yeah. It's not going to translate to the screen, you know. And I think, um, and so then, if you're like, well, that I really didn't like Daredevil or the way they did this guy, or whatever. Like, cool, don't watch it. Just yeah, read yeah. that's okay. You that's enjoyed fine. the comic, right? You you have that now. You you always have that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's that exactly. A healthy way to look at that, for sure. <clears throat> that's um, the thing as well. So, and that's the thing as well. Like, and that's something I've never gotten with the comics, especially like it happens a lot in the comic industry, or like with the translation of that into other stuff. But it does in other things as well. The fact of like <clears throat> we have this almost like feeling as fans sometimes that we've got more say than the creator does yeah mm-hmm. of like <laughs> no that's the creator's property it's like if they've given the go-ahead for them to make a movie whether or not like they're involved in it or whether or not they're not i'm like i i hate to burst your bubble and it's like and that's the thing some properties do get bigger than their creator like you know star yeah. wars is yeah. way bigger than george lucas you know, it's like the Harry Potter franchise is bigger than J.K. Rowling. Like these things have become like yeah. these massive franchises within themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, some would say for the better, some would say for the worse, depending what one who you're asking about what. Um, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like it's their baby, and I'm like, I don't care how much you're a fan of it. This was their creation. There is no one that is more loving and passionate about that project than the person that made it. And do you think they would have signed over someone to work on it if they weren't okay with that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's something that always bugs me. People get really crazy, and don't get me wrong. That's that's part of our joy of being geeks. Yes. As we get we get really passionate. Like stuff apart. Yeah, we get really passionate, and we pick stuff apart, and we delve, deep dive into things. What did this mean? What did they keep this out for? What did they add this? And, and we, we drive really ourselves crazy it. for it. But yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, it's because we're fans. And at the end of the day, as fans, you have to understand, like this, you know, like your book party or like Beckett's last mixtape that's based on it. Like, as much as I like or dislike or want this in it or want that out of it, I want to see the story go in a direction. At the end of the day, what I care doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, it does to a certain extent because you want to do something that you're that the fans are going to enjoy. But at the right. end of the day, 
it's your creation you're the one that's picking the direction that goes and it's like i think fans have a certain influence over stuff but i think we need to be aware that that what's what i'm trying to look for it's like it's not a it's something that we get to enjoy it's not something that's a given that we get to have a say in it these creators are allowing us to go on this journey with them and enjoy their creation it doesn't mean we get control of it it's like a, it's like you know it's like someone giving me a present i get to enjoy do i then get to rip that present apart and do my own thing with it no <laughs> if it's a creative yeah. project i get a certain say as a fan like i get to voice it if i'm a fan of something or not you know i yes. get to voice that i'm a fan like if i watch a movie and go i didn't really enjoy that i think this would have been a better story mm-hmm. that's fine you're allowed that opinion Absolutely. It means Absolutely. jack all in the creative process, unless like fifty million other people also feel the exact same way and all voice it, and then you know, like there's a, <clears throat> you know, what I mean, it's like that thing of like that. It's like some people like you know, like like the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Some people enjoyed some of those movies. Some people absolutely hate them. Like mm-hmm. you're allowed to voice your opinion. Disney probably won't care because you're still giving them money. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, like everyone got up in arms over the Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog trailer when it dropped because Sonic looked like a demon spawned from hell, yeah, yeah. and not Sonic the Hedgehog, and and it was worthwhile because they went and changed it, and he looked great. Yeah. You know, it's like it's that thing of like, yeah, we can come together if something is really, really needs to be changed, but at the same time, there's only a certain extent we should get to do that as fans, like the creators, as their creation. Well. And those bigger franchises too, you know, Star Wars, Harry Potter, whatever, they're <clears throat> so monumental mm. that the machinery you have to go through to get something done is just endless. Like, yeah. you know, I'm sure I'm sure Mike Stackpole has a million great ideas for more Star Wars books. Is he going to get to do them? Probably not. Or even if he is, guess what? It's going to be by, you know, check off here, check this, you know, all these different notes off. Um, and that just sounds like, God, how, how frustrating mm. must that be for yeah. the creator? I would assume. Like, yeah, there's a uh, that's it. There's a whole world of stuff that we never get to see, and why certain things don't happen, and yeah. that's just part and parcel of it. Then, yeah, so I, I think you know, reaching those lofty heights, like there's always that little piece, like man, that'd be sweet, that would be so great. But on the other hand, you're dealing with first of all, the guy in Hawaii, screw it, like, am I gonna be that guy? Like, am I gonna get flushed with cash and the sudden, you know. Uh, surprise hit and now I don't know how to deal with it yeah um, and then on the other side like but I still want to own it like I still want possession of these are my babies you can't just yeah, of course. take them away like so yeah. there's that, that fine middle ground of success where it's like pay the bills you can still go grocery shopping yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah. Um, here in the Phoenix area uh, the author of the Twilight series um, Stephanie Meyer lives not in, in the metro area yeah. not too far and she couldn't go shopping anymore like she just could she's a mom or whatever, yeah. like and she can't go get a loaf of bread without all the twilight moms mobbing her like that sounds awful that sounds legit horrific to me man so yeah it's a it's a that level of success comes with so many caveats no absolutely yeah. sorry that emote in chat just totally threw me off there <laughs> hey marley pavel blue screen <laughs> yeah i just saw like the, the chicken with like the hair tie and like was not expecting that to show up in chat, but hi Marley, welcome on into the chat. Good to see you. Totally threw me off there during the interview. Well done. Doesn't happen frequently, but every so often. Um, so with the limited time we've got left in the interview, I really want to delve into Beckett's last mixtape itself. Um, 
because we've kind of talked on creative processes and stuff and i'm going to throw some um, images up on screen these are images that are on the kickstarter page and stuff so uh no spoils or anything so first of all at the cover should be coming up and um, so where did the idea come for for doing beckett's last mixtape like you said it was based on party and um, right. like what was the idea behind that initially and then how did that evolve into becoming beckett's last mixtape so ooh, nice transition <clears throat> that was really cool uh, <laughs> um so party the the novel for party was more of a dare like I had all these dissimilar um, pieces of story and I was like, I wonder if there's any way to like kind of unite these. One of the chapters actually was supposed to be a horror novel, uh, mm. but I never or tell anybody which one, but like there was one, they're like, this is supposed to be like full of monsters and stuff. And I just ended up not going that direction, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of a challenge to myself. Like, can I unite these dissimilar characters and these very dissimilar stories into one thing? Like, well, I don't know, how would you do that? Uh, school, oh, that makes sense, okay. Nobody wants to read a book about a school. Ooh, a party, okay. And, and so that was um, kind of how that it was it was an assembled novel more than it was something that I sat down and wrote from page one to the end because um, the in the novel there are 11 chapters and every chapter is told from a different student's point of view so like just when you think you understand what's going on you see it again from somebody else's perspective oh, like, that's, cool. oh, that's, that's cool. why he was like that okay um, and that was kind of one uh, with the novel anyway that was one of the through lines of the whole piece one of the themes was you know that we don't talk to each other we don't actually communicate as much as we think we do and like you're really angry at this person who you've never met you know because they did x y and z like but if you knew what happened five minutes ago or five days ago or five years ago your opinion about them might really change you know so, cool. uh, so that was that was kind of the goal in, in the novel um with the comic book like uh, um, i was <laughs> i was having uh, lunch with my friend uh, at image and she was like, you need to do Party as a comic book. And I was like, well, that's that's a cool idea. But, you know, I've got this zombie novel, and it's blood and gore, and it's all oh, be so cool, and you can see it. She's, and very much like Todd was like, no. Like, really? Uh, Starting to see a theme in your pitches for comics here, Tom. But I know. It's not my skill set at all. Um, but she convinced me. She's like, no, this. trust me, this is the one you need to start with. Before you do anything else, you need to start with Party. Um, and she convinced me it was because of the characters and the way that they interact and all that kind of stuff. Um, so with, with the comic, and this is uh, issue one of a planned three-issue arc, so we're going to see just kind of a, a short snippet um, of Beckett's life yeah. and, uh, kind of ripped out of the context of the full novel and uh, that kind of thing, her, her self-contained story. Um, and the, the goals shifted a little bit here because what I, as I started working on the, on the comic, um, was that I really started to fall more in love with the idea of reaching people who, like myself, uh, do not feel seen or do not feel heard, do not feel validated. A lot of that coming up from childhood, of course, uh, but it continues on in adulthood. Like there's there's yeah. a yeah. there's a difference, world of difference between rejection and dismissal. Like if I send a manuscript to an editor. And they're like, ah, yeah, not for me, thanks anyway. Like, okay, that's a rejection, and it sucks, and bummer. But at least they, they saw you. They acknowledged you know? it. Yeah. They acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, versus yeah. you send it, and they ghost you. And you're like, okay, yes. what are you doing here? <clears throat> you know, and that's that happens interpersonally. It happens in families. Uh, we're like, listen, I feel horrible. When you did this, I felt this. And even if that person's like, well, I don't feel bad about it, but I'm sorry, mm -hmm. like, Okay, thank you. At least, at least I've been seen. At least I've been yeah, heard. Yeah. Do the 
whatever, not my problem. Like, okay, now I'm dismissed. Uh, so I wanted the comic book to have that feel visually, first of all, um, of this very, of this, this girl who feels completely alone, completely isolated, completely invisible, um, and that readers would then identify hopefully with that or know somebody who's been there. Um, the thing about Party in particular, and it's one of the few things I kept from the novel, was, um, was the opening line. Um, because this, it's a, okay, so the opening line is, I'm the girl nobody knows until she commits suicide. Then suddenly everyone had a class with her. You know the one I mean. And that line, like the first line of my first novel, my first comic book, for some reason has just resonated yeah. um, with so many people. And I didn't, I had no idea that's what was going to happen. I've seen it on mugs. Like somebody, like people on like Tumblr have put it on like Redbubble mugs and stuff. I'm like, real that? That's what you put on a coffee cup? That's okay, cool you know, though that people have you know done that. That's that. really that's cool. cool. <laughs> what's funny about that line though is 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 in the comic. You say that line that says, "But they don't know her name." There's a close-up of her eyes. So, yeah. like, you, there's a close-up of her eyes, and it says, "Or what grade she's in," or and then it goes to the next panel, and she has her eyes closed, or what color her eyes were. And I was like, "Dude, I don't know what color her eyes are. I had to go back and look." That is, you know, I was literally going to mention that cool panel. Way. It's such a cool way to be like, you're not paying attention. Yeah, I was yeah. literally going to mention yeah, that panel. Like, That's the one. That was the moment I think the comic resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. Mm was because like realizing this is a story okay it's a girl who commits suicide this is going to be like her last moment sort of thing as you start to go through the panels and she's feeling unseen feeling not noticed and then that was the moment when i read that and like that and because the image is literally the bottom of the first page her eyes are open you see them fully like close up here and then the next panel on the top of the next page is her eyes closed and says or what color her eyes are and lips in that moment i'm like I never took in what color her eyes were. Yeah. I had to go yeah, back to and go check. Back. And you're like yeah, and you realize yeah. I don't notice her. I didn't notice her thing. And I'm like and you almost feel like a kind of wave a, li- a little bit wave of guilt of like, oh <laughs> Oh, yes. it's like it's that moment of like when it hits you like, okay, you so You did that, Tom. <clears throat> you did it. I mean that that you have no idea how much joy that brings me to know that that worked. Um, like as we've been talking about the, the construction of a comic book, like yeah. that's that's a deliberate choice you have to make because that's that's a completely different feel, you know. Like if, if those two panels had been on the same page, you wouldn't be like, oh, wouldn't have noticed it. But it takes that nanosecond to turn the page, and as the writer, you have to build that into your into your idea. You know, where's the you know? And I think it happens again, uh, hopefully at the end on the, that last splash page. But you got you're building up this like, and then boom. Yeah. And this very it matters. You know, there's a yeah. a, a, a technique I saw. Uh, one of my favorite authors is uh, Laurie Holtz Anderson, who's most famous probably for her novel Speak, which should be required reading in every high school in the world. Um, but she had a, another book called Winter Girls, where I had heard uh, kind of rumors swirling around, like, oh, there's, and then there's, there's this blank page kind of in the middle of the book. And I was like, what? Why the hell would you? That's awful. You're so much better than that, Laurie. What would you? Okay. Then you read the book, and you get to the last line of the page, and you turn the page, and there's this blank page staring back at you, and like, your stomach just drops. I mean, she executed this thing so beautifully, but that was a way to use a mechanical thing to have an impact on the reader. Um, and that's, I think, even more true. It's true in, in prose novels as well, but it's really true in comic books, where that just this little motion, that's a beat. 
that's there's there's a there's a breath as you do that and you have to time that thing out you know so thank you so much for saying that that just makes my day yeah because <laughs> that was the goal that was exactly the hey because when i was reading i was like was that on purpose because that was like a gut that was like a gut punch yeah across i felt like a tinge of <laughs> but the interesting uh, thing is though is like shame. is that it, it makes you pay attention going forward all of a yeah. sudden like yeah like I was invested in the comic before, like I really wanted to read it, really wanted to see it, but like within that, because that's like the first page, like that's like yeah. the opening pages of it, and it's like boom. And I think if I got the pages, I think I threw them up. That's at the me. point at which you're fishing, and you just you jerk the hook, and it yeah. Goes. So it's up, oh, so it's up on screen now. You guys won't see it on Twitch just yet, Tom, but it'll be popping up. But like the bottom of the screen there, like that's the image of our eyes. And it's like, but if you're just reading the dialogue boxes, you read through it, and then it goes. Mm-hmm. to the top of the next page and just that what color are our eyes and like it, it hit so hard yeah it yeah. really did and it was like it was but now i'm invested now like okay yeah. you've got you've got my attention it's like it's that thing of like it's almost like passively reading the comic and now you've woken me up and now i'm invested and i want to see what happens and <clears throat> I think I said this to you, Tom. I think I literally, when I finished reading it for the first time, I think I literally messaged you online, and yes, I said to yeah, you, like, yeah. like I thoroughly enjoyed this comic, and I said, "This is what thirteen reasons why wishes it could be." Oh, thank you! Wow, like that is a huge compliment. Like I, I will, I will never stop saying how much hatred I have for that show and how awful it is and what it portrayed. Don't get me wrong; it's like I had the the right idea on what it was trying to portray. But it was that thing of like it's the way it went about it was so horribly done and you know um trigger warrants for anyone listening as well we're gonna go into some suicide talk here. Obviously it's a major talking point for it. So if if you can't handle that, by all means I don't <laughs> I don't, you know, begrudge you like tapping out at that point. I but like the way that, that show handled suicide, especially teen suicide. The numbers themselves tell you how badly it was handled because literally there was teen suicide rise thanks to that show. Oh God! And it's I, like wow. I did not watch it. I, I was very familiar with the book, um, and I heard uh, underground rumblings and what was happening after the book came out um, yeah. with the author. It was very unpleasant. Not not that the author was unpleasant at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after once I was hearing that kind of stuff, like I'm not going to watch this show. There's no way I'm going to even. I, I could not handle it, so that doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, it was. It was a really hard hitting show, and it was it was not handled well. And it's like the whole thing is the thirteen reasons why this girl killed herself, and it's it picks off from like her having already committed suicide, and the story of all these horrible things that happened to her. And you're, <clears throat> and the worst thing about it is that you, you kind of almost feel like guilty and like speaking against the show because some of the stuff that happens is downright horrible and I begrudge some of it happening to anybody even some of the lesser stuff that happens to it is, is crappy stuff that you wouldn't want to happen but it happens yeah. to high schoolers all the time mm-hmm. but like some of the stuff was like really? this this is the extent this is going This is it doesn't make sense leading up to this way mm. leading up to how you've handled this and then there's so much focus there was so much focus on even the suicide scene itself that they ended up removing it from the show like they oh, took wow. the scene out because there was so much backlash to it eventually um, <clears throat> but there was so, I felt like that show had so much focus on the reasons that she killed herself mm-hmm. on the reasons for the death 
and I almost felt like this book was the exact opposite thank you yes. this girl was was struggling so much you could feel like a almost like a a silent sorrow going on that she was kind of like done with stuff there was hints to stuff like her dad having I don't know if he was just sleeping with the with the was it the violinist or like was cheating yeah. or stuff like yeah. that and like you know I'm going to go to this party but I don't know anybody there my friend yeah. I've not talked to her in like two years and like you really started feeling this girl had nothing and then the moment that that hit me of like oh this is what 13 Reasons wished it could have done was legitimately when she went in for food and she spoke to oh, what's his name I completely blanked on his name Aziz Aziz, Aziz yes yeah. Aziz that's yeah. it when she went in and started speaking to Aziz and like and right off the bat she's just talked about no one knows you no one's going to notice you no one yeah. and he walk, she walks in and right away goes Beckett and then just the whole conversation was like the fact that this girl thought she had no one and yet this guy's like are you going to the party and I'm like yeah no I wasn't planning to I don't know anyone like oh you know me you can go with me he's like but you're cool though why you wouldn't want me to hang out with you and he's like and he's he's got and he's like the sweetest most oblivious guy in the world I love him I love Aziz so much because um, he basically is saying it and he's like well yeah you can go with me and we'll be cool together and I'm like no, that's not what she's is he okay good boy Aziz and it's like it's like you are so sweet and oblivious I love you so much Um it's like but it's that moment of like without even trying she's been she's been laid out reasons of here's reasons to live yeah here's reasons to keep fighting there's there's nuance in the pain right like you said something you were you were talking about like i I think a lot of the stories nowadays they just paint stuff with just a just a broad brush but there's there's nuance like you were talking about i i read another interview you were talking about from point of, writing from a point of view uh, of the opposite sex and like how you go about that and I think a lot of times what Cross and I especially like in the comic industry what we see is that like for instance like a female driven character story mm-hmm. is often at the expense of a male character and mm-hmm. a lot of times the male characters are brushed with a broad brush like these are the idiots of the story right. And you said something to the effect of, like, all men are dumb. Like, there's nuance, right? Yeah, right. men in general are dumb. I mean, let's be honest. Yes, oh, but, like, but, like, all men aren't dumb. Like, there's, there's nuance. There's, there's people that care. There's sensitive men, you know? There's sensitive dudes who grew up with single moms, you know, yep. who that's all they know, you know? Oh, yeah. um, so I, I really, really like that aspect of it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, – I mentioned Lori Holtz-Anderson ago and I've, I've had a chance in the past to spend some time with her and one of the things she said in an event um, was it is immoral to not include hope in books for young readers and mm. that hit me like mm. dead in the chest I'm like awesome. oh my god you're absolutely right and so that's like, I would say you know in a lot of ways wow. my, my YA stuff goes darker than my horror because horror is just like Woo-hoo! I get popcorn out we're just yeah, monsters yeah. here we go yeah, um, it can be more than that, and I hope I, I bring more to it than that. But when we're talking, particularly, especially when we're dealing with younger characters, like I take that, and most writers that I know take that extraordinarily seriously. Um, like if you're gonna if you're gonna tackle something like suicide or drug abuse or sexual assault or whatever, like man, you better 
be you don't want to do you don't want to do after school special because then then you're out they've tuned out they're not going to listen yeah because right? uh, nobody wants to be preached at uh, but you should be able to handle that topic sensitively but authentically and young readers in particular they will smell inauthenticity a mile away and they're mm-hmm. done before they even crack open the book yeah. you know they absolutely tell that um Oh, yeah, I could go on and on. <laughs> no, but that's but that's phenomenal. That's the thing is like I think that's the, the thing that really resonates out of the book is hope. It's the yeah. fact of like this this girl is clearly she's she's decided she's committing suicide. From the get go, they open the words of it. It's like you know nobody notices her until she's committed suicide, and it's, yeah. like that's that's where her head's going. She's committing suicide. She's thinking every reason in the world just to go ahead with it. And like, and that one conversation with Aziz like really struck me so strong because it was like, it's like Beckett, you're gonna have to fight, kick, and scream if you're gonna get out of here while still thinking no one cares about you. You're gonna have to push past these people that actually do give a damn mm-hmm. if you want to commit suicide. And it was that thing of like, it gives hope, and it's like. I would like to think, I don't know obviously because I'm not in that demographic anymore, I'm old old man now, um, <clears throat> but young readers reading that, like if that's something that they're dealing with and and you know, it's like I hate to think about what some of the youth today are going through, they deal with stuff a lot more harsh than we dealt with as kids even, Yeah. but uh, to think of the, but to think of them going through that point of like they're thinking about committing suicide, this book being something that they pick up and read and to inspire them of like Oh, Beckett's thinking like I do, and she thinks this dude doesn't care. But like all of a sudden, like no, he clearly cares though, and what yeah. he's saying and what he's doing, and starting to resonate that hope of like there's that hope when he speaks to her of maybe he'll get through to her. Yeah, which yeah. is Wait which, one minute. which is the hope that's yeah. missing. Like I, I said about thirteen reasons why. One of the hope that's missing from that is the fact of like well you know the end goal. She she committed yeah. she committed suicide. It's told from after she committed suicide with flashbacks like. And it's that thing of like, there's a moment in that show I literally remember. Maybe Clay's going to do this thing and save her, and stop it happening. And then you're like, she's dead though, she's gone. And it's and like, that, and that's the thing Beckett gives that hope for is the fact of like, there's still time. Yeah. There's still yes. a chance that she can be swung around and she can be saved. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, I and just hearing because I, I remember the the premise of the the novel for Thirteen Reasons Why, uh, and you got to admit like. That's a that's a home run of a premise. Okay. Mm, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I want to know, uh, but and, and I will even go, you know, into the 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 fact that the character is already lost. Like, okay, we that's a done deal. Can't do anything about it. But the opportunity, and I think the book does uh, handles it much differently, as I recall. Uh, but the opportunity as a writer for a series, no less, uh, to take that this beautiful, quote unquote, beautiful scenario and treat it authentically and see uh, the main character's arc because I don't think it's not her arc that's the thing yeah like that's kind of a storytelling issue like it's not about it's not about her it's about him and if that's written and developed poorly you're out of luck man you know and that's that's ugh, I, I hate to think of that happening but we see it all the time you know we, we we've um all of us here consume so much different types and forms of media and we can you start to get that second feeling or, or, or instant feeling about if, if you're in the hands of a skilled writer or not yeah. like even if, it's, even if it's not your genre you can tell like right away like this you don't have a clue what you're doing do you? or at least not yet <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's a bummer you know it's, it's really 
too bad when that happens. But I mean, you know, the thing, a lot of the stuff that, that ends up in, in these stories and in these books, um, again, not autobiographical necessarily, but they're taken from real life things. Mm-hmm. And the stuff I have heard from high school students over the years is just like heartbreaking doesn't quite, isn't a big enough word. Yeah. You know, like there's, um, I remember a, a kid and, I, and I've used this in a novel, um, I'm hearing these stories from from teachers and from administrators. Uh, a kid came up to this teacher and was like, "Hey, you know, Mr. So and So, is it cool if I sleep on your porch tonight?" And the teacher's like, uh, "No, why?" And the student, and we're talking about you know, 16, 17 years old, um, had the foresight to think, "Well, it's probably illegal or immoral to be in your house. So if I'm outside the house, maybe that would be okay." Uh, and the reason is, and when the teacher's like, so why do you want to do this? And he's like, because I don't know what condition my mom's going to be in when I get home. And I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be there. I'm like, wow. And this is, and the thing about that, and the thing that a lot of adults don't understand about that, when I tell that story, they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, now ask me what part of town it was in. Because if you think it was the bad part of town and it was the, the lower income kids, like, no, this was the very rich part of town. This, there, was, there was another school up there. I mean, you know, the kids are driving beamers to school. Like they, they're they're okay. They're doing fine. Wow. Um, you dig a little bit deeper, and they're like, "Yeah, mom and dad left for the week and went to Bimini, and I've got the car and a credit card, so we're gonna have a party." And you're like, at 15, you're like, "Oh, that's awesome, bro. That's great." And then right around, you know, 25, 30, you're like, "I'm sorry, they're what? You're just they just left." And even the kids who maybe on the outside are like, "Yeah, we're gonna have a party." Like yeah. instantly, like, and I'm by myself. Yeah, I am utterly it's alone. Not it's, right. It's, God, it's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. It's not. It's not a. Anyway, yeah. So, and you have to talk about it authentically. You have to be honest about it. I think. <clears throat> no, absolutely, and I think that set is. There's a whole world that goes on with characters, that, especially in the world of the teenagers, where it's like. It's so easy to become out of touch with that. You know, especially you know, especially with the 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 old men that we are, you know, obviously, that like, (laughs) but being a teenager is a completely different thing today, as we kind of mentioned, than it was in our day, and it's and still being authentic to that and what's going on with their world and and portraying that and showing that and and then also balancing the fact of like, you know, telling the story like you said that can get really dark because you're talking about real life stuff and it's like let's not. Let's not pussyfoot around it. Let's not beat around the bush. Like this stuff that they're dealing with is a dark, heavy subject. Yes. And it's like, oh, we can't talk about that with kids. And it's like, but kids and teens are going through this. They already know how dark yeah. it is. Like us talking about it doesn't change that. Their yeah, experience in that. It's like, so let's give them something that they can relate to that they are actually going through and then show them, hey, there's hope. And balance yeah. it out with that level of hope of like, hey, there's another side to this. Hey, there's something yeah. else there. That's that's really difficult to do. <laughs> it is. That's I, like I insanely get, difficult to do. <laughs> I get so frustrated with adults who dismiss that. Again, this dismiss versus reject. Uh, it just infuriates me. Um, because one of the things I've, I've discovered over the years is um, when, when I was a sophomore in high school, my parents got me a video camera, VHS video camera, for those of you who know what VHS is. One of the shoulder mount ones? The, the oh, yeah. Ones. Oh, yeah. One of the big old school like, ones. Oh, heck yeah. This huge thing. And we freighted that thing around with us everywhere we went for yeah. years. Yeah. And so as a result, I ended up with 100-odd VHS tapes that are nothing but me and my friends 
being me and my friends, just yeah. sitting around, just talking about whatever. Uh, so I've still got all this stuff. I'm finally in the process of digitizing it now. Um, and it's what's really struck me over the years since I, I got into um, the, the industry is that like the clothes are different, technology's different, music's different, all this, there's all these very, very different things. But the way we talk about stuff and the stuff we're talking about, exact same thing. I'm getting the same questions in classrooms today that my friends and I were talking about in the early 90s. It's yeah. the same stuff. And it's, it's the stuff that's in the comic. It's, does anybody see me? Does anybody hear me? Am I all, all alone? Am I really as stupid as my parents say? Am I ugly? Am I? It's all that internal stuff um, that just, because the chemistry hasn't changed. Adolescence yeah. is from like 11 to 25. It's not 13 to 17. It's, it's this huge chunk of development. Um, and that hasn't changed over decades. Like it's we're gonna need several hundred years <laughs> for the two yeah, different. Yeah. Not, um, to put, not to yeah. get too philosophical, but like all three of us are parents on this thing. Mm -hmm. That just just it's just a tremendous amount of pressure. It um, is <laughs> on us to not screw up, <laughs> not well, screw up royally, you know. Right, not royal, not too bad. Yeah. I, I worry about it every day with my son, yeah. and I'm like, oh, we're almost there. Like yeah. it's coming. Here we go. Um, and then my wife was always like, okay, but if, if here's your dad, you're okay. <laughs> you're like, yeah, okay, that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, I think, is and something I've, I've more recently tried to get out into the atmosphere is the value of, of not saying anything, like mm. just being present mm. and like mm. listening. And particularly in the moment when that awful stuff is happening, to remember, like it, it infuriates me when a, a teenager comes home from school and, and their girlfriend broke up with them or whatever, and they're just, you know, crushed and devastated. And the first thing the parents say, like, oh, get over it. Or, oh, come on. Or you weren't going to get married, you know, and all this stuff, which mm -hmm. like, okay, that's probably true. We know statistically you're not going to marry your dude. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. now the best time to say it. No. Yeah. And <clears throat> so many adults have forgotten what it actually felt like. Because um, this is the first time. This is the first time they've had to deal with it. You know, and like maybe the best thing to do is just give them a hug and have some ice cream and say, "Man, I'm so sorry. That sucks." That yeah, just really that's all like, you have to do. Because that's how you like you think about that stuff, and it's like it's so easy like to say that that you you know that we've grown past that stuff. But like, I was thinking about that though. Think if it was an adult friend of yours who just like had a breakup or something, or had something happen. And I'm like, what would you say to them? Would you say that oh, it was going to work out anyway? It's like, wait, what? Yeah, like. Just like never coming to talk to you ever again about anything. Thank you. Exactly. exactly. You suck at empathy. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it is. But now we're going to say that to someone who is in an emotional state because they just split up and is at an age where their emotions are all over the place as well, yeah. and is struggling with a lot of stuff. And I'm like, oh, good job, never being their go-to person ever again. That's what you've just guaranteed yeah. there. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, um, and I, I, I put this in a book. Um, I uh, when I was. Uh, so in high school, started right away in the drama department. Uh, super cool. Got to do all the shows and whatever. And uh, one of the uh, shows I did, there was a, a junior year. Uh, it was like my show. Like I finally got to do my show. There was like five people in the cast and I'm on stage like 75% of the time. Like I'm the star of the show at long last. Um, so I do this show and I, and opening night, I remember for sure, like I knew my parents had come and like a bunch of grandmas or whatever. Cool. And I was so excited, and we got a really good response from the audience and everything. And I rushed backstage, and usually, um, 
after the show, like friends and family come backstage and they sometimes they bring flowers or whatever and it's all the congratulations and all that kind of stuff. And I run back there and I see my dad and he has this huge smile on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm running over to him, just can't wait to hear what he has to say. And I get up to him and my dad goes, wow, wow, that tall girl was amazing. And I said, yeah. She went, and then he wouldn't stop. Like he goes on this, like not rant, but like talking about how amazing this girl's performance was. And I'm like, yeah, that was that was Hillary. Well, I I can go get her, I guess. Okay, so I went and go got and it, and it was and it like wow, like that sunk in huge. really yeah. well. And then like the next uh, like a year later, doing another show, great show. I knew the family was there. I came backstage. I see my dad, and he's smiling. He's like, that was tremendous. And I said, "Uh huh," and went over to my teachers. Mm. Like, you had your shot, bro. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not doing it. And that kind of thing happening day after day after day after day in a household, and it and it does, mm. is just. That's why I do this. Like, yeah. that's absolutely why I do this. I, I cannot stand um, that we have young people in particular dealing with that. And the more uh, of this kind of thing I do, right, where I talk to more and more adults. Or like, yeah, and like some people going, mm-hmm. No, I remember when that happened to me too. And it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff we just haven't been able to um, to sort through. And if movies or comic books or video games or music or whatever it is that that we all create helps to either get past it or embrace whatever you yeah. need to do, uh, awesome. Let's do yeah. that because um, it's it it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. I can preach for hours. You have no idea. <laughs> No, this is awesome, dude. No, but that's that's it though. It's like you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Like there's so many people in our generation that have experienced that. Yeah. In moments where it's like it's, you know, and it's like, even with the best parents in the world and the best intentions in the world, you get moments like that where it's like it's. And I think a lot of it comes from kind of like what you were kind of hinting at the, the prospect of like a lot of the time we, teenagers get treated like they are just little kids. Yeah. The parents especially respond to them because parents have that hard time adjusting to the changes in the age and the growing up of, oh, it's just a little kid thing, it's not important. That we miss the fact that we're now in that development stage of they're becoming their own person. Yeah. And the more they get treated like that from you, the more you are not going to be one of those people in their circle. Because through those teen years, that's what we do is we develop into adults and we develop our own lives and our own wants, our own desires, our own circle of people that are our go-to, that are our confidants, that are our friends, that are yeah. our encouragement, the people that we love and it's very easy for parents to get put in the outside of that. It's very easy yeah. for anyone to get put in the outside of that for that sort of thing. That's, you know, we, I grew up, uh, these, these guys I've got on these tapes, like I'm still friends with most of them to this very day and, and they are family and I, I feel very <clears> strongly about family being chosen rather than inherited yeah. like just because y'all pop me out doesn't mean we get to have this great relationship you, you got to earn that and that's absolutely yeah. as far as i'm concerned now you can have it both ways the other thing that i see is that there's a, a subset of people who will be like well that's just that's just normal teenagers go off and do their thing and like it is and it's good mm -hmm. and they should but like my wife has had a great relationship with her parents her entire life because they were phenomenal parents and they're hard to be that way. It's not as though, you know, it's, it's one or the other. Like, you, you can have all this stuff. It's it's totally okay. 
Um, but given the choice, like I'm going to hang out with those people who have, who, who behave in a way that show me that my best interests are at heart. Yeah. Whether they're adults or my age, or whatever, doesn't matter. That's where I'm going. And the thing I've, I've tried to tell parents in particular over the last several years, once I kind of had a platform, it's like, listen, if you, if you don't listen, I guarantee you they will find somebody who does and you won't get to choose who that is. Yep. And I don't know if you want that kind of heat because I know yeah. I did. I went to somebody who was like, well, this guy's listening and guess where that ended up, you know, like, uh, so you have to, you have to be there. It happens even on the level of like at a con, for example, I'll get parents coming through and they'll look at the books like, well, is, is this good for a 12 year old? And I'm like, you know what? I can't answer that. 12, there's, it's good for some nine year olds and not good for some 17 year olds. It really depends. But if you read it with him, yeah. it will be good. Yeah. yeah, it's like read it with them, be there to answer the questions and talk to them and all that sort of stuff with it. It's like oh be active in it, you know? Yes. Yeah. It would change yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, you know? So uh, trying to capture that with art or with story, you know, whether it's comic book or prose or whatever, is kind of a, the driving force of it. And um, that's you know I, if i'm not these kids i certainly knew them and i think that's mm. what readers will will see in the text or even in, in the art translation like oh yeah i remember that day or i remember when that happened to me or mm. or whatever and that's what i i hope will you know people will will take away from it for sure absolutely and i think if the rest of the comic ends up looking like this first issue and tells a story like this first issue like i'm I'm so excited to read the next couple of issues of this. Yeah, I'm I'm really too. excited to check this out and to see where the story goes and you know to see how it's portrayed. It's like I'm really invested in Beckett and her story now. Um, awesome. Thank so you. absolutely, I think you've done a phenomenal job catching with that, and I hope the story comes across the way it's meant to. I hope it starts to reach people and give them hope and impacts them and. Yeah. Um, and I highly recommend to any of our audience whether you're here with us live whether you're watching us on YouTube after the fact to listen to us um, on any of the places you can get your podcasts I highly recommend picking this up and in all those places I'll make sure to put links to the book as well go and pick it up on the Kickstarter and if we can put the link up in the chat it'd be awesome but yeah go go pick this book up go check it out for yourself and um, and you know what, yeah, why not? It's like we've got a 12-hour stream coming up in um, three weeks' time. It's terrifying as that is now. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll do a giveaway for Beckett's Last Mixtape. We'll pick up a copy of it and do it as a giveaway to make sure somebody gets it as part of the fundraiser as well. We'll go ahead and do that. We'll make sure we pick up an extra copy to do as a giveaway. And I will make sure to uh, have better handwriting when I try to mail it to you. Because that was, <laughs> that, turns out that was the issue. Like, yeah, that doesn't look like a five at all, does it? I'm sorry. <laughs> no so, worries. What happened there? <laughs> and, well, this, is, this has been incredible. Well, there you go. This I'm going to take it. Probably a, like top five. Streams. Yeah, this has been a phenomenal stream. Um, and to talk about taking shots as well, since we're going to do the giveaway, we're more than happy to pay for the book, get another copy of it. Um, for the giveaway, would you be willing to sign it for us, Tom? If we of pick course, up another yeah, issue? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll reach out to you on social media and stuff. We'll definitely we'll put the money in for another copy, but we'll get um, Mr. Tom Levine to sign it. So it's a signed copy of Beckett's last mixtape, and we'll do that as part of our giveaway. 
because um, yeah this is a book that needs to get out there so let's do it let's yeah. we've, we've, we're going to be giving away a whole bunch of stuff in a few weeks so let's give it away as part of that why not yeah i'm in totally Sweet. um but thank you so much tom for coming on the yeah. show thank you so really much for for hanging out and chatting with us and ranting and rambling with us and i could go on and on yeah this <laughs> This has been such a fun conversation today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This yes. has been so yeah, much too. fun. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you to everyone in our chat who's hung out, that's been hanging out there. Um, popping up the chat there as well. Thanks for putting that in there. Um, is the links to Tom Levine's website, um, to all of his um, links on social media. Um, excuse me. Please go and check him out. Go check him out. He's pretty much everything at this point. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Go check him out. It go check out his stuff like we said he's quite active there on his social media as well so go and hang out with him on there and make sure and go and pick this book up for yourself um, and grab it now that the kickstarter's done and the book's definitely coming out you don't want to miss this and I want to say as well for the art you will absolutely adore the art like the images yeah. I put up on screen are probably not doing it much justice as compared to seeing it in person it's, it's phenomenal yeah it is she did a phenomenal <clears throat> both, both my artists were amazing and I'm very very lucky to have them yeah, the artists are amazing on it. They're definitely amazing finds, Tom. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, but that's it for us pretty much today then. So thank you so much, folks, for coming and hanging out with us. We are, of course, going to be live throughout the week. Uh, my lovely wife, Jay, will be back with you all tomorrow night, 8.30, um, continuing Bioshock Infinite. I'll be back on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock with some more Batman Arkham Knight, continuing that playthrough. Uh, Nitro, are you going to be back on Thursday? Yeah, I'll be here Thursday. We're gonna be working on the comic, so nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just that's fun. Just FYI, we're doing a giveaway of one of your pieces in three weeks. You might want to, you know, yeah, no. finish it. I know. Just, just we're gonna be doing just, some storyboarding. I'm gonna do that. I'm, gonna <clears> I'm just, I'm just saying, because you were the one that was saying that you needed time to do it. I'm just telling you, we've got three weeks to go. I know. I know. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm really good at procrastination. <laughs> like I've, I've perfected it. Like I'm really, really good at it. He is. It's as an art form. It's an art form in its own right. Udemy, the Udemy class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost got something done today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah, you know the feeling. <laughs> but yeah, so Nitro will be back on Thursday. We will, of course, be back on Friday night as well with some more Sea of Thieves with our Sea of Thieves streams going on, which are awesome. Nitro will be joining me for that one, and I am pestering Jarrett from Infinity Bros currently to come and join us for that one. Um, and getting him back into it and then of course we will be back next Sunday um, as well at 2 o'clock so that's everything going on if you guys want to hang out with us as we go to our finishing screen we're going to head out on a raid as well go and show the love to the community out there um, but catch up with us all on social media and I hope you all have an amazing Sunday remember it's a good week to be a geek take care everyone see you soon Bye. Oh. 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 Oh.